Hello and welcome to the Sports Block Podcast, the first Sports Block Podcast of 2024. Nathan Sacken here alongside my good friend and co-host, the voice of the Mitchell Colonels, it's Travis Crins. Travis, how are we doing? And let me be among the, the last to wish you a Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I did not, I think the first time ever, I remember I did not make it to midnight. Okay. Uh, did All the Vikings right. put you to sleep? No, it was like 10.30, we went to bed, 11 o'clock. We said, all right, let's just go to bed. Oh, there's nothing going on. We used to have some nice big parties at New Year's, but... Uh, and it's all stuff in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was, uh, went to bed early. Well, it's been a year since we've spoken last, so uh, we... we yeah. Yeah, We have a number of things to get to here. One of them is not going to be the Minnesota Vikings. They no-showed against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football. I think this team is just tired. And I, you know, I I hope you're sitting down for this here. I am actively rooting for them to lose to the Lions on Sunday. And for the Bears to beat the Packers. Because if the Vikings finish in last place, and I think they still could finish in last place even if both Chicago and Minnesota lose, like, but I, I, like, you know, it depends on the point differential and whatnot. Hopefully common opponents is not, uh, does not factor in there, but the Vikings, should they lose, would be in last, and, and the Bears win. Vikings would be in last place in the division, and they would get to play the likes of the New England Patriots next year, the Carolina Panthers, and the Washington Commanders. As opposed to, if they finish third in the division, they'd have to play the Jets, the Giants, and most likely the Falcons. I'll take the Panthers, Commanders, and and Patriots uh, instead of that. So I now, believe it or not, am actively rooting for the Vikings to lose, which means inevitably they'll screw it up and win. Root for the draft picks. I think we are picking 12 now. We can pick as high as 8. Let's do it. Go our way. So if we're picking eight, I'm ecstatic. Jaden Daniels? Hmm. Hmm. Jaden Daniels, maybe? Uh, Michael Penix? No. No. Okay. You need to pick a quarterback. That's why I said Jaden Daniels. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Lamar Jackson. I I, I fear they're going to end up with Bo Nix. You know, Michael Penix. He looked awfully good on when he played Texas, but. You know, I, I mean, my idea is to get Michael Penix, get uh, get one of those receivers that he was throwing to, uh, trade Jefferson, oh, oh. don't sign Cousins, trade Jefferson for like the fifth pick or something, uh, get rid of Kevin O'Connell, Pops dinner for that, oh. get, uh, get Kalen DeVore, get somebody else in here. They won't do that, of course. Maybe, I'm, hopefully, I'll pick a quarterback with their first pick, but they're not trading Jefferson. They're not firing the coach. But um, they, they need to hit on this quarterback pick. So. They do. I Again, I want Daniels from LSU. If I think if they're picking a quarterback, he is Lamar Jackson 2.0. He, he well, is. He is electric as a runner. He's a very good passer. He's a you know, better passer than Lamar Jackson was when he, you know, he was coming out. So I think Daniels would be a... A rock-solid pick. Uh, I wouldn't mind Michael Penix Jr. He had a great game against Texas. 
that was a game. You know, so Washington and Michigan are playing in the national championship game. And Michael Penix Jr. was great in the first half. But Washington could never really pull away from Texas. And Texas really shouldn't have even been in that game. You know, they got gifted seven points via a muffed punt that set up a short field for them. And Quinn Ewers wasn't all that great. So I do fear that Washington is not going to beat Michigan, and I want them to beat Michigan. I think pretty much 95% of the country wants Washington to beat Michigan because Michigan is a bunch of cheaters. But I fear that Michigan will prevail. Um, also, the, oh, an instant classic at the Rose Bowl. No, it really wasn't. It was a... Defensive trouble, there were a lot of missed snaps, a lot of poor special teams playing by Michigan. Only reason it's a classic is because Michigan drove down and scored and then won in overtime. That's what makes it a classic. It's a good ending. It's not a classic game. It was a good game. Yeah, I wouldn't say all-time classic, but because of who was involved and what was at stake and how it ended, that'll help. But... No good, good game. Every team that played was just sloppy. Interceptions and the most punts on Washington and Michigan. And Michigan almost throws an interception on the first play of the game. Mm-hmm. And penalties. And it was just a year where like there, there was not that dominant team. We become accustomed to seeing Georgia or Alabama or LSU just blow everybody out of the water. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't that year. So, like everybody likes Washington. I want Michigan to win because they've been good for a while. And I want I want a team to win that's been good for a while so that they can say, hey, we're really good. We just weren't, we just weren't one of those teams that was good for a while. And didn't win it like Georgia finally wins it. Clemson finally won it. Michigan's been pretty good with, with, with Jim Harbaugh for a while. And so I'll, I'll work for them. And if Washington wins, then I'll be completely fine with that. It was, I thought Alabama would win, but I was rooting for Michigan. So the uh, the outcome, I was. I was fine with either way. I wanted Washington to beat Texas, and and they did. So it was – they were good games. I usually find myself – like, if the first game is really good, I have a hard time getting into that second game right away because of how dramatic the last game was. Mm-hmm. And that was the same thing here. So, Don't yeah, that Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl was a good, good game to start the year. Don't you think the Sugar Bowl needs to start sooner than 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock local time? Like, especially if it's... I, I, I went to bed. I didn't see the fourth quarter because I'm like, well, I got I to gotta get up tomorrow and I'm not... It's important, but it's not that important or I'm going to get up at midnight and wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning, so... It's, it's one thing if it's just a normal Sugar Bowl game. It's another thing if it's a, if it's a semifinal game to decide, like, who's going to the national championship... That's a, it's a disservice to everyone that it was that late. You either need to play that game at one and then lead into the Rose Bowl, or play it on a different day. You can't, you you can't have it played be played that late. I get that the Sugar Bowl is always like pretty much right after the Rose Bowl, you know, 
for the most part, it's in that you know 745, 730, 745, 8 o'clock time range. But if it's for a semifinal spot on New Year's Day, like meaning people need to wake up and go to work the next day. This isn't like, oh, everyone's got the following day off so you can stay up later. Like last year, the college football semifinals were on New Year's. If I recall correctly, Ohio State missed that field goal right as the clock struck midnight, right as the ball dropped against Georgia. But everyone was watching because you're staying up till midnight and you have the following day off. You didn't have that this year. I think the scheduling of the games did a, was a major disservice to a good portion of the country. Start the Rose Bowl at 3 o'clock, set the Sugar Bowl at 7. There you go. Or just, I mean, I started the Rose Bowl at 5.30. It was 90 seconds after it was supposed to start, which is, it didn't actually start to like 4.15. So I knew I could have bypassed that. You had an extremely long halftime. You bypassed that. Mm-hmm. And I, I caught up. I mean, I started this thing at 90 minutes after it was supposed to start, and I caught up by the time Michigan was like inside the 10-yard line. And that was great. You just go and go and go. Mm-hmm. And you cut off a significant portion of this thing. So that was good. So games don't need to take this long. No, they do not. No, they do not. Um, so you you want Michigan to win. Any other thoughts? Uh, any other thoughts on the semifinal games or the championship? No. Yeah, this is the worst bowl season I've ever remembered. I didn't watch anything. There was nothing to watch. But Did surely he? you have some thoughts on the Pop-Tart Bowl. <laughs> yeah, do, do, more, do more stuff like that to where, you know, the Mayo Bowl and the Pop-Tart Bowl, if you're going to have these bowl games, just continue to do weird stuff like that. So we're not actually watching, or the, the teams themselves are watching for the extracurriculars yes i don't think we're going to remember next year at this time that it was kansas state beating north carolina state in the pop tart bowl but what we will remember is the pop tart mascot uh you know dancing uh spanking the ref's butt uh getting dropped into the toaster and saying you know my life is complete or whatever you know i'm living you know you know live the dream or whatever and then it's an edible pop tart that the the kansas state gets to eat afterwards like uh, we sacrificed a a live pop tart on television and now they're eating it like what is this like it was everything associated with the pop tart around the game like that's what was the best part of it and that's i i'm very eager to watch the pop tart bowl next year for this and i would think that that has to be one of the premier bowl games now that if you aren't in the playoff the 12 team playoff you're not in one of these like prestigious bowls. The Pop-Tart Bowl is the bowl game that you want to go to because of the maximum amount of exposure you're going to get. Even though people won't remember you, there will, because they're going to be focused on the Pop-Tart, there at least will be eyeballs. I my, Here's my idea for bowl games. Get rid of them and 
Because with everybody sitting out, I mean, it's bad. It is very bad, and it makes Missouri, it Missouri, Ohio State was awful. Florida State shouldn't even been there. Uh, Notre Dame, Oregon State, or the bowl out. Mm-hmm. You heard of the bowl games, and it doesn't have to be the first game next year, but. One of your non-conference games is the game you use, the team you want to play in the bowl game. I like that. Can we play it at the neutral site, at the bowl game site? Like, can we just have the bowl games roll over and be the first game of the new season? We could if it fits in the schedule. I'm fine with that. Or, you know what? Better yet. Better yet. What if you make the bowl season games week zero? That'd be fine with me. Make him the very first game of the year. Because then not everyone is playing that first and, week. But and if you want to play a game, then if, if Nebraska wants to play, then schedule some team that's not in a bowl game. Right. And if you want to keep playing these in, in the warm climates, if you want to keep playing them in, in, in Arizona and Florida and Texas and in whatever, so grant, play them Boise, go right at Granted... You know, it's going to be a lot hotter down in Mobile, Alabama and Boca Raton. But, I mean, you play games there anyway. Uh, You know, and it's going to be a different team because you won't have the seniors from last year's team that would have made the bowl game. But it just, it it makes so much more sense because you have everyone playing. This, as you said, this was as awful of a bowl season from everyone sitting out as you can. You would still have... For the bowl season, you would still have the 12-team playoffs, so you would still have the Rose Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Peach Bowl, like the the Citrus Bowl, the Outback Bowl. Like you would have these bowl games being played out because they're part of the playoff. You like that's what needs to happen. Or if you want to include some of those extra bowl, those those better bowl games. I don't know. Is is the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl? Is that considered one of the? the better ones now. I mean, certainly the Pop-Tart Bowl has to be included in that mix, but you could play at all of these neutral sites as week zero and then throw in an extra bye week in there. But not every team plays because not every team is bowl eligible. It just seems, it it makes the most sense to me. Because this is not going to, this is going to continue the sit-outs, the transfer, going to the draft. Yes. Even like it started with like Christian McCaffrey, like the first guy I ever remember. Yep. Doing it because like Stanford was in the somewhat big bowl game. But like you know what, I'm done. So yep. it's going to continue to happen. So I mean they're never going to do that. They're going to have these stupid bowl games. But I saw the bowl schedule here for next year. Oh, is that out already? I was trying to look for that. January twentieth is this champion. January twentieth. Yes. Yep. I mean, that's what we're getting. I mean, the NFL's already ridiculous with it. I mean, almost on Valentine's Day. Right. And now the. And we're going to get a week off after the conference title games. So, if you were to have the. If you were to have the bowl games played in week zero, you could move the, 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 the quarterfinals and the semifinals up a week. You could essentially do it like the FCS does. Where, you know, you give them a week off or whatever, like, okay, Navy, Army, that's that game. You know what? No one's playing that weekend. But the following weekend is the first round. And then the the following week is, you know, the the quarterfinals. 
the following week's the semifinals, and then two weeks after that is the national championship game. If you want to do that, that's great. Like, that doesn't that make sense? Get, get rid of the conference title game. They're meaningless now when not everybody plays each other. Right. When 18, 16, 18, 20 teams in a conference, how are we deciding who gets into the conference title game? So get rid of that. And these things, these things should start the first week of December should be the first round. Second week should be the quarterfinals. Um, so here's the, the, the first round is going to take place on December 20th and the 21st next year. They're gonna, they're, they'll have one game on Friday night, December 20th. Mm-hmm. And then they will have three games on Saturday the 21st. Okay. And the next week they'll... Uh, the quarterfinals, they'll take that weekend out. The quarterfinals next year will be on New Year's Eve. There'll be one, the, the, the Fiesta Bowl will be on Tuesday, the 31st. Mm-hmm. And then on January 1st, which is ridiculous because it's on a Wednesday next week, next Wednesday, the, the 1st, they'll have the Peach Bowl at like noon, the Rose Bowl at 4 o'clock, and the Sugar Bowl at night. So those will be your quarterfinal games. And then the semifinals... It's Thursday, January 9th at the Orange Bowl. And then the next night, Friday, January 10th, will be the Cotton Bowl. Will be the other semifinal. Then they'll take 10 days off. And the championship is Monday, January 20th, 2025 in Atlanta. Yeah, it it doesn't make sense. And this year, it's a little odd or a little different because the New Year's Day fell on a Monday. So they're only getting a week off. It just, nothing makes sense with this. And that's why I really think that college football, it, you heard Kirby Smart make a comment after Georgia's beat down a Florida State. Like, what you saw out there, that, like, that needs to change. We need to change something up here. And it doesn't, and it's not just related to Florida State and, you know, all the opt-outs and stuff. But, yeah, you got to do something with bowl season because this bowl year was especially atrocious. And with the college, like, you don't need to be playing into the middle of January. You can fit it in just like the FCS does. It's not that difficult. Give them a couple weeks off. You you know, the teams that make the quarterfinals, guaranteed, they already have a bye week. So guess what? Like, you get two weeks off, perfect. You know, it, it doesn't need to be this long or extended or drawn out. That's not going to keep people's interest. But it does. It's just drawn out just more and more and more. And I mean, you know, I'm ready for every football thing to be done. We've got, what we got six more weeks of football, five more weeks of football, at least six mm-hmm. more weeks. Mm-hmm. Of NFL, it's like enough with this. Like Christ, in college, I, I get it. Quit playing it on a Monday. Play it on a Saturday. I don't know when, when that'll ever change, but quit doing that. Quit playing your championship because it's the most unforgettable championship of all the major sports. Pretty soon, they will be extending it so far, like into January and February. College football will that. College basketball may as well just go into May and do May Madness. Yeah. So like I, I'm, I'm enough with the, with the college football. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm sure these, these first-round matchups will... I'm sure some of them will not be very good. Like, Liberty will lose to whoever. Oregon. 
45 to 6. Oh, dude. And then I, I don't like that a, the conference champs get the top four seed because you're going to have a 8 and 4 ACC champ like Pittsburgh get the four seed. And you're going to have a team with one loss like Ohio State get like the seven seed. It's like, no, quit doing that. Quit putting the Saints in the. Quarterfinals. Quit giving the, the, the eight and eight Seattle Seahawks a home game. You're you're devaluing the regular season by awarding these teams. It doesn't matter that you win your conference or your division. So isn't the regular season already devalued by the fact that the playoff is expanding from four to twelve? By the way, our our boy Bill Hancock on there. Uh, see him at the was he at the Rose Bowl? I believe. Uh, uh, you know what? Hard to believe that we had him on the the radio show more than a decade ago, and he was talking about how bad the playoff was, and now he's you know executive chairman of the the CFP. It's almost like he's full of shit, and they pay him to be a spokesman and tell him what to say. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Um, and then next, I mean, we're gonna have Michigan versus Washington next year in a rematch. Yep. And without these new conflict, we would not have had that last year. That is why I like what is happening, what is going on. Yeah. We're going to get Michigan-Washington, which is what we would not have gotten this before. So I am I'm happy with it. No SEC team this year. No Clemson. So that no. there's a little new blood here in there. So hopefully Washington gets the win, but I fear Michigan will get the win. Um, let's and, go- and, and, and picking the playoff will be a little bit more exciting because... At the end, they're like, all right, I'll take Ohio State because they're always in it. I'll take Alabama because they're always in it. I'll take this team, Oklahoma, because they're always – it just got boring. Georgia's always in it. Like, Jesus Christ, like, it's no fun predicting. It's like, all right, I'm going to say Kansas State gets in at 10-2 and two as, a, as a 10 seed. All right, we'll see what they can you, – You know I'm what team I'm – you know what team I'm super high on next year already? I'm vi- I'm just very excited. I think they could make the, a four-team playoff, let alone the 12, but I'm guaranteeing they make the 12. Like, I'm putting my stamp on this. You like Ole Miss. I do. I really... What is, what is, what is so good about Ole Miss? Well, I, okay, I suppose I tweeted that out, so you saw that. I, yeah, I saw. I could see... Yeah. I mean, I think they'd make the playoff this year. They'd be right on the... The edge of it, and they're always a team that's... I am very hesitant to put all my eggs in the Lane Kiffin basket because he has a tendency to lose the big games like to Alabama and, you know, they they play Georgia this this upcoming year as well. But Jackson Dart is coming back, their quarterback. Uh, They have a lot of skill guys coming back on both sides of the ball. Uh, Their offense is electric. That tight end was fantastic. They're getting major recruits in the transfer portal, like some high-end talent. So this feels to me like Ole Miss is ready to to uh, try and win the SEC West. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of growing pain in, in Death Valley and Baton Rouge with LSU breaking in a new quarterback. We'll see what Alabama is like next year. Uh, I don't trust anyone else in the SEC West, so... I'm riding with Ole Miss next year, and I, I, I'm very scared to do it because Lane Kiffin has proven time in and time, you know, time and time again that uh, he's not to be trusted to win the big games. But I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm uh, that he proves me wrong next year, and 
uh, gets Ole Miss to it to the playoff. Maybe you know, maybe you I mean, could be maybe nine and three and still make this playoff. Right, definitely ten and two. Yep, gets in. Yep. I'm, 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 there, there are some teams that are going to have pretty soft schedules because they are going to end up avoiding some of the best teams in the conference. Yep. I like I like Kansas State, and I look at Kansas State's schedule, and I think it is very doable. See, and I think Kansas is going to be really good too. A lot of their guys are coming back. I think it could be a Kansas Kansas State um, showdown yeah. in the in the Big Twelve. I think Kansas State could uh, make the playoff, so we'll see. I want to bring up Ole Miss's uh, um, schedule for oh, next so, year. Um, Penn State's quarterback still sucks, so I'm, I'm tired of people saying how good he is when he's never any good when I watch him. So Ole Miss next year has to go to LSU, has to go... Uh, they, they avoid Alabama next year. Okay. I thought they played Alabama, so that's good. They, they're at LSU. They host Georgia. And, you know, they're at Florida. Big deal. You know, at the Egg Bowl. They're... Play Oklahoma? Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, fine, Oklahoma. But I'm not... I'm not sold on Oklahoma. I, I need Oklahoma and Texas to prove it to me in the SEC that they belong there before I think they'll do anything. But, I mean, this schedule... LSU and Georgia, those are the big ones, and and L- Oklahoma too. Granted, but I, I those are the three. Um, I think it, it really bodes well for Ole Miss next year. And they don't even have; they can lose all of them in Soviet. They can lose two of them. Yeah. I, okay. How many? So how many SEC teams are getting in? I don't know. Are they going to have like five teams? Are they going to have five of these teams? I don't. It depends on how many of them cannibalize on one another. Yeah, I mean, the, the schedules now matter because. It's not automatic. Uh, well, I know most of their schedule. Like, I don't know anybody's schedule. Right, because the, the the divisions are gone have gone away. Like Michigan plays Washington. They play uh, Texas. Do they play? Of course, USC? they play Ohio State. So it's like, like Michigan's got to win it this year because things get tough. And so, yeah, the the schedules become. Very important. Give me the teams that are not going to be playing anybody. Give me the teams that somehow avoid most of these most of these teams. So. Indeed. Let's go back to the NFL here. Uh, there was a, a, a very good game on Saturday night. Um, Monday Night Football, Saturday night special. The Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys. And Dallas didn't play very well. Uh, C.D. Lamb cost his team a touchdown by reaching the ball out to the end zone. That rule's got to change in the offseason. Uh, the Justin Jefferson rule, shall we say. Uh, and then they could have ran it on a second down. Instead, Dak Prescott threw it out of bounds, and those 40 seconds ended up coming back to nearly cost Dallas as Detroit drove down, scored a Monroe St. Brown touchdown, and they go for two for the win. Taylor Decker... An offensive lineman catches a pass, and Detroit was up 21 to 20 with what, 23 seconds left? 32 seconds? Something that was under a minute for sure. Uh, but oh, wait, there was an, it was an illegal touching. Uh, 68 did not report as eligible, according to referee Brad Allen, who's had a number of issues and blown calls this year in the NFL. Uh, 
it sure looked like he did, but 70s coming in as well. There's multiple linemen. So the Lions' deception ended up costing them in this one. It's not an excusable mistake for Brad Allen, but if you have two or three linemen coming in to the game and running towards you, um, you know, you're trying to fool the, the Cowboys, but uh, your own deception may have cost you that game because the, the referees weren't uh, totally on board with what was going on or getting everything because you were deceiving them as well. I guess the most significantly missed call probably in any years. Considering what it meant, the it meant the two seed at the least. And if the Rams can beat San Francisco, it means the one seed. Do you think this was more egregious than that missed pass interference penalty against uh, in, by the Rams against the Saints in the NFC Championship game, what, five years ago? I was fine with that because the Saints can get fucked. Well, yeah. How about... Yeah, man, was that was a bad call. That's probably the last one that comes to mind. And this one was just... Like, so, I mean, there's video evidence. There's no argument. Uh, well, this happened. No, they just missed it. They're up and they, it just completely botched it. Like, Detroit won the game. Like, they... But... But, they won the game. They did everything they did. They, the play works. They won it. And they're actually like, no, we... Well, we don't know for sure that they would have won it because Dallas could have kicked a field goal to win yeah, the game. Yeah, Dallas can't. I'm going to say no, that they would not have done that. Also... 23 seconds left. The tight... The like, tight they, they couldn't even figure out how to run I mean, they're passing the ball. I mean, they're passing the ball here. They are. Oh, yeah. Run the clock out. This overshadows the, the clock management issue for Michael yeah. McCarthy. But there was a tripping penalty called against the Cowboys' tight end when it should have gone against Aiden Hutchinson on that drive. So you back him up 15 yards when it should have been first down. They could have ran the clock out then at that point. And the line, we wouldn't have even had this controversy with Taylor Decker. So the refs missed a more, uh, the refs called tripping on the wrong team just a minute prior. And so then we wouldn't even be having this discussion about the ineligible alignment. So it's bad. It's not terrible because it arguably shouldn't have happened because of the missed tripping penalty. So, you know, tit for tat. I'm going to say the Lions want a bit more egregious than tripping. Yeah, they got screwed something fierce. Yeah, they got, they got. Yeah, it's as bad as it gets. So. I'm not crying for him. Hopefully, hopefully they meet again in a couple weeks. I'm not crying for him considering they got all those calls against Minnesota the week before. So. You, well, you usually like the underdog. You like, you know, whoever. You do not like the Lions. I'm fine with the Lions. I just don't think they're as good as everyone is making them out to be, and I'm not going to, oh, whoa, is is Detroit, you know, for, for getting this. Guess what? You know what? Shit happens. <laughs> A team that has won, like, one playoff game in 60 years. Like, they, they are the Chicago Cubs of the NFL. And... I would... I think this will. I mean, this will fuel them. I mean, I think this will be a. It's as good to make a bad situation good. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we would have loved to have played Dallas at home instead of having to go back to Dallas in a couple of weeks. But, I mean, there you go. They are, like all season long, like, they've been a top five team. They've been, they've had a couple of losses here and there. But they, I think they go in the playoffs at the number two team behind San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mean, certainly with the way Philadelphia. Not Dallas, certainly it's not Philadelphia at this point. Philadelphia losing to Arizona may be the shock of the season. I mean, that for Arizona to move the ball the way they did in that game and control the the time of possession the way they did, like two to one. I mean, they had the ball for over forty minutes. I don't know, like the Eagles. There's something off with them. I don't know if it's Jalen Hurts's you know knee, but I mean he he's not playing defense. The defense is atrocious. Like, this is a team where, I mean, when they win, like, they're the Vikings from last year. They, when they win, they're just getting by. Mm-hmm. And, well, they're the Eagles. They, they went to the Super Bowl last year. Well, yeah, you beat Washington by three. You beat the Vikings by six. You opened up the season at New England, one of the five worst teams in football. You won by five. But the Vikings last year never had a bad loss like the Cardinals. If I recall correctly. No, yeah, and, the, and they get blown out by uh, San Francisco. They they lose. They're, they're they're losing. They're winning close games and they're losing some. And it's their defense is not good. Uh, Jalen Hurts is first, or he's not playing. I mean, they're turning the ball over like crazy. And you wait. I mean, you wait for teams like that. You wait for teams like Kansas City. Say, oh, I mean. Not, they going to turn it or they're going to just flip the switch all of a sudden when it comes to the playoffs? It does not appear so on, on Kansas City's side of things. We'll find out in a couple of weeks, but I would say I'm you know, no on Kansas City, no on Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've not played well. I'm going to say, I mean, so Baltimore beats Miami 56-19. to 19. It is it was a bad score. You know, the Miami didn't play a good game, but they were without Jalen Waddle. They were without Raheem Mostert. Those are two pretty important pieces on the offensive side. They lose Bradley Chubb to a torn ACL. They lose Xavier Howard to a foot injury, their corner. So by no means was Miami playing at full strength, but they are limping now into the into the postseason. Like so I I yes, it was a very good win by Baltimore. I'm more impressed with what they did against San Francisco than I am a, what they, than what they did against Miami. Because Miami wasn't at full strength. So what's curious now as we head into week 18 is that Miami and Buffalo are playing Sunday night football game what is it 2 278 whatever 279 whatever the final game now is. Uh, for the AFC East title. And depending on how things break out prior, like leading up to that playoff game, it could be a do-or-die situation for the Buffalo Bills. Like, you could win this game and be the two-seed, or you could be out of the playoffs. Like, that's that's insane to me how the AFC is has broken the way it has. I mean, Buffalo playing really good football right now, but if they lose a game, like right now they're locked, uh, right now they're the five-seed, I believe. And are the uh, are they the Browns the, the five seed? Buffalo six. Who, who's the five seed? I'm sorry. Cleveland. Cleveland. Oh yes, yeah. Cleveland's locked in the five seed. My my apologies. Yes, Buffalo is the the six seed at ten and six. I mean, and seven, eight, nine are all nine win teams. It's it just is 
baffling to me that you could have Buffalo lose their game and potentially be out of the playoffs depending on how things break the rest of the way. It's just crazy. Yeah, you have weak division winners in Kansas City and Jacksonville. You have... But Jacksonville needs to win. We decided between the Colts and the Texans winner and and what Jacksonville can do. So, like, two of those three teams are getting in. Um, You know, the Steelers still are alive. And and there's not much difference between the two seed and being knocked out after. It's a one-game difference. And for the Steelers, they're going to benefit from the Ravens likely resting a bunch of their starters or certainly not playing the entire game. But if you're Baltimore, do you do you want to beat Pittsburgh to keep your rivals out of the playoffs, or like I I don't know how you necessarily play that one. That's a that's tough pill, to, uh, or that that's a tough act to balance. I think if you're uh, if you're John Harbaugh and, and the Ravens there, certainly you want to keep you know Lamar Jackson healthy and whatnot. But then I, I you know you have I think that Baltimore's good enough to play. To not play everybody and still maybe beat Pittsburgh. They lost to him earlier this year, 17-10, to in a weird game there in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh seems to have found a formula now. It's called running the football. Whoa, what a shock. Um, they ran it down Seattle's throats on Sunday, which was fascinating. So I think what, what would work best for Buffalo is if Jacksonville wins the AFC South because... If they don't, the it would be then the winner of Indianapolis and Houston, who they play Saturday night. But Buffalo, I think, would Buffalo needs Jacksonville to win because Buffalo lost to Jacksonville in London earlier this year, so Jacksonville would have the tiebreaker with them. So Buffalo really needs Jacksonville to just beat Tennessee and, and kind of put an end to it. Yeah, a lot to be decided in the final week. And I believe I remember last year that that ESPN Monday night game is always has to be a four versus five matchup because you have to know who you are playing or they like that. Like everybody knows where they're playing by Sunday night and it's just the four versus five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's a team below that, if it's a team above that, that is advanced. So Cleveland at Jacksonville has Monday Night Football written all over. You think that that couldn't be the Peacock game? Maybe. Maybe it's it's, it's got to be that, or it's got to be Eagles at Bucks. It's got to be a five. I believe it's it has to be a four versus sure. a five. Sure, that would make sense. So, and then they did then they did Tampa Bay and Dallas last year. Yep. So you know, yeah, that very well could be a, a Peacock special. But it's got to be one of those. Uh, let's see. Just running down this week 18 slate here. Uh, you got Texans Colts uh, Saturday night, so that's big. Vikings Lions play at noon. Please Lions, just win, just just win and end this here. Um, you got Jaguars Titans at noon. Like the, the the late afternoon slate. You got Bears Packers. I really hope the Bears can win. That would be something. I don't understand why we have to have the nfc east in the late window um like that that could be decided i i guess the with the way the rest of it's broken out i i think dallas beats washington really it it just doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of big games 
this Sunday? Like, <sighs> there are games that are very important, and I mean, there are, and there might be upsets. Who knows? Maybe the Eagles will end up winning the division. Uh, maybe the Bears beat the Packers, and then that opens up. Who knows what? Yep. The uh, South team. Uh, who knows what's going to going to happen. Maybe maybe Carolina shows up and beats Tampa Bay. Who the hell knows? But yeah, this is these division games, Saturday, Sunday. Just waiting for the end. The, the big one at the end. Maybe maybe Carolina will beat Tampa Bay and David Tepper, the Panthers owner, will throw sh- uh, drinks on people in celebration and people will be okay with that. Probably. They'll get the uh... Whatever the opposite, he'll get a bonus. $300,000 fine for that. I mean, he is a disgrace. He is not yeah. Daniel Snyder. He is not uh, Michael Bidwell, the the owner of the Arizona Cardinals. But Tepper is going to rank as one of the more notorious owners because he is, yeah. he's is he got a bad football team. So, he, I mean, he constantly uh, is throwing hit, like making decisions that are just bad. He doesn't let his people do what they need to do. Appears to be a fairly bad businessman when it businessman as it pertains to like the the practice facilities pulling out of deals and everything. Like people in Carolina dis, in the Carolinas despise him. They don't like him. Uh, he's got an issue, you know, fan relation wise, and now dumping drinks on Jaguars fans. Like it's just it's he is a disgrace. If I were Jerry Jones or if I were Robert Kraft, I would pull Tepper aside and say, "Hey, buddy." NFL ownership is a privilege. It is not a born right. You better figure things out here, or we will get you ousted out of our club. You should have a kid with some random lady like Jerry Jones. Maybe he does. <laughs> I mean, he he used he was a minority owner in the Steelers. You would think that, but he's white. He's white. Oh, then very true. Oh, oh. Good point. Good point. He's a, he's a majority minority. Yeah, he's he's, he's bad. He is he is just. And it bad. wasn't like this was an important game. It wasn't like this was a close game. Right. This was twenty six nothing, and he decides, oh, this is why I've had it. This is what I'm going to go crazy in this game that was decided at halftime. Uh, poor poor choice. Or maybe just keep your goddamn windows closed. I don't know. Yeah. Or just you know what? Maybe just don't go watch game and then. Actually, apologize. Like I think, if I'm a Jaguars fan, I'm I'm filing a lawsuit. Sure, I'm going to say, hey, season tickets, ten thousand bucks. I'm getting some out of this. You know what? Let's uh, let's settle this up. Maybe uh, I get the I get the cabana for a season. How about that? Yeah, yeah. David Tepper, not not good. Not a, not a good person at all. Um, I don't know anything else NFL related we need to get to. The Vikings' defense, like, they didn't defend the receiver. They didn't I think the, I think they're gassed. I, I really think the tank has just run out on empty. That was as poor of a of defense that you could play. I don't think Jordan – like, Jordan Love has got some skill about him. He plays pretty well. Like, Green Bay might have something in there. I don't uh, think it's Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it's Brett Favre-like. But, I like, for these guys to be, like, running wide, open down the field, like, come on. I, I truly like they, they think follow. it's like they never played football before. They didn't. They didn't follow the receivers. Right. And we just sit there and like just follow the guy who's in front of you. Wherever I, he goes, 
try and be close to him. Like, it was like Josh Metellus was like going back 20 yards. There was a guy open, and he just continued to drift. It was like Ed Donatel took over the defense. Yes. One yeah. It was this. Now, maybe this is good because Brian Flores then won't be a hot yeah. coaching commodity, and they'll come back next year and everything will be fine. Um, I, I wonder if they put everything into that game against Detroit, and... After that, it's like, oh, crap. Well, I can see, like, you're still alive, and you're still alive this week. Yeah, like, and see, Pittsburgh gave you a gift by beating Seattle. So now it was the winner of of the Packers-Vikings game. All you needed to do was win out, and you get in the playoffs. Yeah, they're not very good. Yeah, no, I don't want to see him. They're starting Nick Mullins. Yep. Which, if you want to win, you start Nick Mullins, or if you want to close... No, Jaron Hall did not play well. No. I would... Obviously, I'm not trying to win, so I'm, I'm going Jaron Hall again and say, okay, you were very bad. Uh, let's give you another shot. Let's see what we can do better. The third play of the second half when Nick Mullins is in there, they they, they throw something called a screen pass. Mm. To me, it would seem like a good play because your offensive line is getting shredded to pieces. Yeah. Never a quarterback, and short little passes to build his confidence, get him going, give him something easy to do. And I did not see the the emergence of a screen pass or anything close to the line of scrimmage for this guy. So he did not play well at all. I honestly, um, that was the worst I, game I've ever seen Darisaw play. Like he couldn't block it, and that's why. Like it wasn't just Darisaw; everyone. It was a complete no show by the team. Like it, it just was. And that's why I want them to actively lose. You know, I'm I'm actively rooting for them to lose on Sunday, and hopefully the Bears win and get the Vikings in last place. Not only for get a better sure, draft. Yeah, who knows? Like the schedule, because I don't. You know, who knows? Maybe Aaron Rodgers tears his ACL next year. Well, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, he was on the Pat McAfee show on yes. on two, Tuesday. Yep, and he. Uh, insinuated that Jimmy Kimmel, host of the Jimmy Kimmel Tonight Show on ABC, um, may not want the the Jeffrey Epstein list to come out because he may be on it. And um, Jimmy Fallon, these two have had, you know, some barbs back and forth uh, regarding, you know, Aaron Rodgers talking about UFOs and Jimmy Fallon making fun of him, which he's... Rightfully so. I mean, Aaron Rodgers says a lot of stupid shit that you should make fun of him for. But Fallon comes out and says uh, on Twitter, says, hey, asshole, like, don't say this about me. Uh, You're endangering my family. Uh, You know, we can decide on the the facts in court. My name's not on that list. I've never, you know, talked to Epstein or met him or anything like that. And I don't feel like he would come out that vehemently and say that if... He, well, like, yeah, it, it, you wouldn't do that. Hopefully, he wouldn't do that, and then his name end up ends up appearing on the list. But what's interesting about this is that ABC and ESPN are both owned by Disney. And because the Pat McAfee show is on ESPN, it now creates this whole kind of dilemma and drama. Like, okay, Jimmy Fallon's obviously going to go to the powers at ABC or Disney and say, hey, this, this ain't right. And now ESPN's going to have to make a decision regarding McAfee or just say, hey, Mac, you, you got it. 
you can't have Aaron Rodgers on the show. And Pat McAfee came out on Wednesday and tried to walk some of it back. Like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is just talking a little trash and blah, blah, blah. We don't want to be associated with anything negative. Well, if you don't want to be associated with anything negative, don't have fucking Aaron Rodgers on your show. How about that? Like, just don't do that. Like, he's a negative person. He talks a lot of stuff. You laugh it off all the time. You don't... If you really want to be taken seriously on this, get him off of the show for good because he spews lies all the time, talks about vaccine, took a shot at Travis Kelsey, and you just laughed. You know what, Pat? If you want to be serious about this, push back on Aaron Rodgers. Don't pay him the money. Pay the money that you're... you're, Use the money that you're paying Aaron Rodgers to come on your show. Put it to good use, like to charity. Something like that. Maybe to another athlete who's not a complete asshole. But just... Just stop with this. Like I, I, I feel like the, the, the opening of their show on Wednesday, and I, and I wasn't watching it live. I just caught a, a clip of it on Twitter. But you're all you're trying to backtrack what he said, but also defending it as well. You can't have it both ways. You gotta figure something out. And I think ESPN and and, and Disney and you know, ABC, they're all gonna come together here and talk to Pat and say. You, you got to make a choice. That that would be what I would hope happens because there's going to be a lawsuit coming, a defamation lawsuit filed by Jimmy Fallon against Aaron Rodgers. And Pat McAfee is going to be a part of that. I don't think that's going to happen. I hope it does. You're, you're, you're right. It likely won't, but, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, happens. Like, you know, Aaron Rodgers didn't play this year, so, like, what, what are you talking to him about? Like, he's not playing, so not anything to talk to him about. Like, I'll be playing. Well, they haven't played me here, so there's nothing to do. So I'm sure he'll be on, I don't know, throughout the offseason a couple times. Maybe, you know, he'll be on next year if he actually plays and doesn't get hurt again. You know, but it's like, do you want this attention or don't you? Is it is it worth the headache? Because he doesn't talk to anybody else except Pat McAfee, so... And he wouldn't like it if somebody said the same thing about him. So, because he complains about the media all the time. Like, oh, this and that. And I said this about the vaccine. And I said, because everybody thought he got it. Mm-hmm. But it thought he didn't. Because he insinuated he got it. Yep. But he actually didn't. So, he was yeah, his, his image continues to take a hit. But doesn't, and, doesn't McAfee's image take a hit with this, too, if he doesn't? Do something like, I, I, again, it's great that he came out and said, yeah, we don't want I, to be I don't a... see Pat McAfee lasting very long. I see him lasting maybe another year, and that'll be about it. Yeah. And he'll grow tired of whatever it is that does, and he'll go back to what he used to do on YouTube or whatever, what some other site or sponsor, fan duel or something will sponsor his show. Outkick with Clay Travis. See, I don't see him being on... Especially if he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers, if, he's, if he has him on, I'm sure, I'm sure ESPN likes it that that is on their network. That hey, yeah, is on every week. But so if, if, he's, if he's not on anymore, I don't see Pat McAfee being around but, college being day after next. Year. But doesn't there come a point where ESPN's like, yeah, we can't have this, uh, like him spreading this disinformation around and insinuating this stuff? I think so, but I. I I haven't seen how all the crap that's happened throughout the past five or ten years. Yeah, I, I agree. There's tons of people that have been kicked off TV because they said something obviously false mm-hmm. and obviously wrong. 
but that just doesn't seem there seems to be different consequences for different people like there was a big uh, to do about Nikki Haley talking about the Civil War last week well yeah well and, okay she... and then Trump does what he does is like okay it's like how many times has he said something a hundred times worse and then she gets flack for not mentioning slavery it's like well, like be consistent yeah be consistent about it the it's just well we want uh, americans should decide at the ballot if they want an insurrectionist or something in office i mean come on folks david axelrod talking one guy trump is just so off the grid for ridiculousness and criminal activity so like anybody else guys like david axel the conversations they say well she said this like yeah what about it that's a one and trump's on a fucking 50 on a scale of 10 so it's like well, David Axelrod saying like, "Oh, we, we shouldn't do this. What you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't hold the Constitution to what it what it says in there? Like, what what are you talking about, David? Like, you, you... Yeah, like the evidence is pretty clear of what happened. Uh, like, you know, like, people seem to like not. Oh, so we don't want to apply the Constitution when it when it needs to be. And then then David like a separate thing was like, "Oh, is it time to start talking about if Taylor Swift really is hurting the Chiefs? Like, come on, people, just stop. I mean, that was more. Hopefully, that was more of a joke. I, I don't know. Well, like, like it just, it's, it's, and if it is, it gives a shit because it's Taylor Swift and it Yeah, like it, it just, it, it's stupid. Like you keep going after this, but you know, if you're this big political pundit and you know you was an advisor under the Obama administration, you of all people need you know, would know the Constitution and the laws and stuff to protect the office. Like, why would you say that it's okay for him to be on the ballot if? if and ultimately, it won't matter because. I, I doubt he'll be off the ballot in any state. And if he is, it won't be any state he would have won anyway. So it'll just make the popular vote more vast. Right. But yeah, like, what 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 happened? What did he do? What did he say? What happened? Well, we saw what happened. Obviously, Colorado and Maine agree that, yeah, that was something that was an insurrection, so he's off of it now. It's in the freaking Constitution. And we'll see if any other state follows, but it's like, yeah, what, what happened? It's pretty clear to me what happened. Um, but yeah, we just live in an age of don't believe what you see, here's what actually happened. Like, no, this is what happened, this is what I saw. This is this should be the result. All this goes back to the fact that Aaron Rodgers is a terrible person. Great football player, terrible person, and McAfee needs to do more than just... Uh, you know, offer some humble apology, and I hope Jimmy Fallon goes after him, and it, something happens as a result of this. Do, who do you think has more pull there, Jimmy Fallon or no, Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel? Or uh, oh my God, I have been saying Fallon. Yes, I know Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel. There's too many Jimmys in late night and whatnot. Do you really think Jimmy Kimmel? Um, if he wants to make it an issue, I'm sure they'll say, "All right, that's enough." Yeah, I would hope he does. Meant Jimmy Kimmel. I think I've said Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, let's let's, let's go and see what happens. I apologize. I meant Jimmy Kimmel. I know what I'm talking about here. Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. Okay. Um, what else? uh, What else we need to discuss here? Wasn't really anything big on the baseball front. Um, The sale was traded to Atlanta. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, Boston pays some of his salary, so we'll see if he can stay healthy. 
And we'll see how the Braves use him. I'm sure he will start. So we'll see how the Braves use Chris Sale and see what he's got left in the tank. Oh, I, how could we forget? I mean, we got to talk about the national championship game in Frisco, the FCS national championship game. Oh, oh. Montana and SDSU, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central Time, Sunday on ABC. This is like, different because you're not playing a rival, so I really hope SDSU comes out like, you know, not flat, doesn't fall behind 14-0 or whatever. I just look at the at this game, and uh, Montana's good, and Monta- SDSU's never beaten Montana, so there's that, you know, issue at hand, but that doesn't really affect any of these players. I, I think SDSU is just so much better, so much more talented across the board. I don't trust Montana's quarterback not to make some mistakes. He's very gifted athletically, but I... I just think SDSU is better offense, defense, and special teams. I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to cover the points. I think it's 12 and a half right now. I bet they win by 17-ish points. That would be my guess. I don't think it's going to necessarily be easy. It would be very disappointing, though, if SDSU does not win the national championship. Montana's a very good team, but SDSU is just so much better. It, I think SDSU is the best non-Power 5 team in the country this year. Better than Liberty. <laughs> Liberty. Liberty. Better than Tulane. Better than whatever the hell else. No. Well, what, the Sagarin uh, rankings or whatever could have them as high as 17, yeah. potentially. They're 20th right now. They're really good. They're going to kick the shit out of Montana by, like, 30 points. I hope so. And Montana fans are talking a lot of shit right now. That's why I let them I get the, the talk. I go ahead. Please, please keep talking because it's going to be just like it was last year. By the third quarter, this game is going to be decided. Keep on talking, please. And if there's one team you want to play outside of North Dakota State, because we've beaten them uh, from pillar to post for what, five years in a row, we're tired of that. And if it can't be USD because they can't even get there, then I guess let it be Montana. We've taken care of Montana State last year. Um, Montana's guess they had the, the last thing they haven't done. And to, like, we haven't been, what, almost 15 years since the playoff game, and I remember it vividly, mm-hmm. the uh, playoff game in, F- in FCS, and Mark Mariani, and what was it, 49 to 21 at one point, 49-28, and they rattle off, like, four straight touchdowns like it's nothing. So, mm-hmm. we all remember that, so I'm sure... Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, it'll be 29 wins in a row. I think I saw Matt Zimmer say, like, it in a column, it, it ended Jimmy Rogers' playing career. Like, that was his last game. That was his last game. And for this to be his first national title as head coach, it'll be, um, yeah, I think it'll be very satisfying to, to beat Montana. Their head coach, he's kind of a surly bastard. I kind of like him because he's a, a no-nonsense, grumpy old cuss mm-hmm. who, was there and then left for wherever the hell he went. Some nondescript job, now he's come back. But, yeah, Montana, let's let's beat them. So I'm somewhat looking forward to the game more than usual. So we'll I'll watch the first half of the Vikings game. I'll put that on pause, and then I'll go to the SDC. I'm, I, I might just watch the first quarter of the Vikings game and then be like, yeah, I, I don't need to watch any more of this. I don't care about that. I just want them to lose. But I want SDSU to win. And again, I think Montana's a very good team, but I just think SDSU is so much better. Like, 
it's, I mean, they are. They are. I mean, you needed to, uh, double overtime to beat NDSU at home. You needed overtime to beat Furman. Like, that to me just screams like, okay, maybe like you're a good team. You're obviously winning these games. You got, you're the two, you're the number two team in the country at the FCS level for a reason. But if you aren't handling your business, like the only reason why that game against Villanova was so close for SDSU is because the winds were 45 miles an hour and completely, it, it completely changed the complexion of that game. If that if that's a, a like a, like ideal weather conditions like 45 degrees maybe five to ten mile an hour winds SDSU wins by 17 21 points mm-hmm. easily like you don't yeah. have this uh, worry about oh whether or not you know they can uh, they would be able to throw the ball down the field they would run like they would have been able to do everything so throw that game aside because of the weather conditions and you you thump out uh, you thump Albany you thump Mercer like there's just it would be a monumental disappointment if SDSU oh, yeah. loses to Montana, I would say. I think they will win. I think so, too. Hopefully we're talking about that next week, You know, the national champion Jackrabbits. Uh, anything else that we need to get to before we say so long for the week? Florida Atlantic fell 10 spots because they lost to Florida Gulf Coast. That's a terrible loss. Absolutely. How do you beat Arizona and then lose to to Dunk City? So they do that bad. My question is, Connecticut lost to Seton Hall the other week, two weeks ago now. They lost to Seton Hall, who's an 8-5 and five team. They're just middle of the road. Mm-hmm. How many spots UConn dropped? Three. None? Oh, none. Oh. It was, it was like the game didn't even count. Are they still, they were four, and now they're still four, huh? Okay. Are they number five now? Or, yeah, they're, no, they're four they're, right now. They were five, and then they went up a spot to four. They're now up four. Like, did, did that game not count? It's not like they lost to, you know, they didn't lose to fucking Purdue or Kansas. They lost to DePaul. It's like that game didn't count. It's like, it's all right, you lost. Fort Atlantic, you lost. We'll just drop the ten fucking spots. Well, I think what's interesting about the Big East is that all of those teams that played last week, like they they lost to they, they lost to ranking like Creighton lost to Villanova at home. Um, Villanova is a very like Jekyll and Hyde team. They have very good wins but very bad losses. Uh, Marquette beat Creighton in a very good game uh, on on Saturday. But you you have these Big East. The Big East right now is kind of. Just going at one another. It, it appears to be a very, very deep league. So, yeah, are they maybe saying that Seton Hall is a you know a little better than? Apparently, I mean, you got to drop. I mean, you know, I'm not a fan of dropping teams that far in the poll, but Jesus Christ, yeah, uh, I did not expect them to lose to Seton Hall. You got to drop them a few spots. And then Gonzaga, yeah. uh, they lose to San Diego State, who I assume is good, and. They are. They're eleven and two. Like San Diego State, Final Four team, eleven and two, not ranked somehow. The first team out of the rankings. So Gonzaga drops eleven spots. Eleven. Yeah. They lost. They lost to Connecticut a couple weeks ago. They have no quad one wins so far this year. Gonzaga, no but, quad. But, okay, so they were. So Gonzaga was at thirteen. And then they lose to a very good, probably a team that reaches the Sweet 16, you would think, San Diego State. Yeah. And they lose 11 spots. Well, 
in the Mountain Look West, that, they holy buckets! What a stunner that is! Let's drop them damn near out of the pole. Um, yeah. Well, I How get that. No, Gonzaga has lost to Purdue, Connecticut, and San Diego State. They had zero quad one wins. Washington a while ago. Yeah, Mount. Um, the Mountain West is going to be very yeah. good uh, conference this year. Uh, let's see where. Where are you? Uh, UConn. I mean, the West Coast Conference now without BYU. That's that's a one bid league. Well, St. Mary's, you would think, should be. They're nine and six. I don't think they're getting it. I mean, I'm sure they're just going to run the table here, but San Francisco is eleven and four. So yeah. It's, that's a, that's a, that's an eight. That's a nineteen league right. Now. I am thinking that the only reason that UConn maybe didn't drop was because their game was on the road, whereas Gonzaga played at home. And if you're looking, still, like, they the Paul, like the Paul, isn't that they did not receive a vote? Nobody even knows the Paul one wants to vote for him. No, like. Like, that's a bad, like, at the end of the year, that would be, like, a bad loss. But, like, well, that might cost them the one seat. Like, DePaul, are they even getting into the thing? Well, UConn lost, UConn didn't lose to DePaul, did they? Yes! They lost to Seton Hall. Or Seton Hall, fine, yeah, Seton Hall, yeah. Or, like, Seton Hall, I don't, I don't know where the hell Seton Hall at in this thing. They're eight, they're eight, and, at the time when they beat UConn, they're eight and yeah, four. They're, they're still not getting votes, so it's like, yeah, they're not a team that's getting votes. Right. Seton Hall's probably not making the tournament. If they do, they'll be one of the last teams in. Yeah, if, if UConn had lost to DePaul, then yeah, they would have needed to fall at yeah, least but ten but spots. Still, you're losing to Seton Hall, who is the sixth best team in the conference. I'm just thinking that it's because it was on the road. That's the only. And you but, lost by fifteen. It's yeah. all you lost. The, you lost by fifteen. Well, who and else? Connecticut's my team, but you can't. You shouldn't I gain. Mean, you shouldn't gain a spot. Everything. It's like I, I should be okay with this. You should Connecticut's very good. You shouldn't move up a spot after losing by fifteen. No. I'm like, come on, guys, get the fuck out of here. Well, and who, Arizona, Arizona got trounced by Stanford. They dropped six spots. It's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Sanford, not good. And so you drop it, like, and Gonzaga just fall. Gonzaga, that's like, I don't know what the spread was on that, but it's like, all right. Like, I don't know if it's a surprise that they lost to San Diego State. Like, that's, like, all right, San Diego State beat Gonzaga. It's like, okay. And they lose 11 spots? They were 13th. And they almost like, what What happened here? I don't have a fucking clue. Fort that- Atlantic, sure. You drop 10 spots, lose for the Gulf Coast. I can understand that. Yep. I don't understand Gonzaga just dropping, and I don't understand Connecticut. Moving up. One week after they, they didn't move at all. So I don't understand. Was that game Friday what, night? What the hell was Was that... Was that the Gonzaga San Diego State game? Was that Friday night? Could have been. Uh, okay. Yep. Here it is. So let let's see here. I want to just see what the the spread was here for the game. Uh, and Gonzaga did lose by ten, eighty four to seventy four. I assume Gonzaga was like um, four and a half point favorites. 
and they were six and a half point favorites. Yeah, so it's not like it's the respect to win by fifteen. It's like oh, it's not like San Diego State's bad this year. It's like they're good. Yeah. So I I I, I don't know what that was about. I don't know. I don't what was the spread on Seton Hall, Connecticut? That's I'm just I'm trying to look that up yeah. right now. Um, uh, I was assuming it was more than six and a half. So. Come on, let's go here. Whatever it was, so it was. It's not a lot, not a whole lot going on there, but Miami, Clemson tonight. Um, like a conference, I like I get bored when it gets to conference season because you play the same old teams that you always play. Um, I guess my thing I'm looking at is is James Madison going to lose? Is James Madison going to go undefeated? They could. You know, the tournament, they play in the Sun Belt, and the Sun Belt is not good. Are they going to be the Wichita State of, what, like a decade ago when, you know, you had yeah. Baker and Fred Van Vliet, or are they like Florida Atlantic last year? You're going to lose a couple of games, but you're still going to make the tournament. Like, could they go on a Florida Atlantic-type run this year? I think they're I think they're closer to Florida Atlantic than they are Wichita State. Uh, they didn't play anybody. They didn't play anybody. They're non-conference. I can't imagine. They played Michigan ranked. State right away. And how were they? Well, not not good, but, I mean, that was a significant win at the time. It was, but then there was a reason they beat that, because Michigan State probably isn't going to make a turn. Like, Michigan State is what, oh, they, they lost to Wisconsin and Nebraska. They're 0-2 in the Big Ten. They're 8-5 and at the moment. Like, Michigan State is telling you who they are, and they are not any good. So, UConn was a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. But seven and a half? Seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Seven-and-a-half But, but... You lose by 50. That was also on the 20th of December. So, they may have... They may have moved. That was two weeks ago, and they did not move. Okay, let's... Like last week, they went up one spot. They went up one, so they were fifth. Yeah, I just, like they can't fall. They can't fall because they were fourth or fifth. Right. So like they, they just didn't get the, the people not see that happen. Was it just ignored? It was like, well, fuck it. We 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 don't care. Let's see. Okay, they were five in week seven. Week eight. Would they were fifth. Which would have been last week, yep. Uh, yeah. They didn't move. They didn't move. Like, you got to move them down a bit. You want to talk about stuff in the Valley? This is election fraud at the highest level. <laughs> Somebody didn't vote Connecticut down. What happened? What happened? Yeah. It's a good question. Look into it. Nobody's looking into it, Stacking. What happened? Ridiculous. I don't know. We have a. We'll have to have a, a committee look into this here, the college football playoff committee, because they're frauds too. So. Right. All right. Anything else before we say so long? Uh, Mitchell Colonels boys beat De La Salle on Saturday. That was a fun game. That's like uh, is the De La Salle from not from is it from the cities? No, is it? Yeah. Okay. It okay. That's a good week. Me, 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 De La Salle. It was always good. Always in the champ. Yep. Yep. A good win for them, 44-41. They win. 
They played number one Harrisburg last night. They lost in overtime, 62-53, game they should have won. They led pretty much the, the, the entire second half. They did not trail, so they let one slip away. That's a bummer. Uh, so the boys are excellent. They're over 6-0 as well. So they're both very good this year. Any traveling for you this week, or the the, the home games uh, still continue? Yeah, a couple weeks away from hitting the road. So we've got two games versus Yankton Friday, two games versus Huron Tuesday. So we're still getting through the home games. And in two weeks from now, we finally hit the road. So Okay. Very good. You like well, that? Uh, my next thing I'll write about is about the Vikings and how they should fire everybody. Um, I put up my manifesto for Brock Purdy today. Yep, yep. But uh, like it's not even like it's not even. He's first in this, first in that, and all of these. I mean, it's it, it is because he is who he is. Like if if, if Pat Mahomes was the number one seed and they were going to finish 13 and four and Patrick Mahomes put up these numbers. He would be the MVP. Do you think it's because though, like like he's got Christian McCaffrey. Is that, is that stealing away potential votes? Like, are they splitting? Because he was the last pick. If he was Zach Wilson, he would be the MVP. If he was Trevor Lawrence, he would be MVP. Valid. There is the only way I can explain it because it's, for for Lamar Jackson, he, he, like he's going to be the MVP. Like, did people watch these games? We talked about it last week. Yep. What stood out in the San Francisco game? Not it much. was the defense and the four interceptions. Yep. And what they scored two touchdowns in like eight, seven, seven, eight seconds. Yep. How do you do that? You get short fields. They set you up quite nicely. Mm-hmm. And then they watch the Miami game. Defense. Look at what the defense did against the Dolphins. I see a fullback make a one-handed jumping grab to get a touchdown. Uh, I see Isaiah Likely with another outstanding one-handed grab. Yep. Like these were not good passes. I don't give. And I'm a lie. And I like Lamar Jackson. I said good on the contract. You're getting your money. But those were. I mean, the fullback was wide open and he nearly missed them. Yeah. And Isaiah likely bails him out. Like, I don't give credit for that touchdown because but that's not a well-thrown ball. That's, that's all the receiver right there. That is all him. Like, I, you know, it's it's a bad year for MVP. Like, if you want to give it to Christian McCaffrey, go ahead. If you want to give it to Tyreek Hill, go ahead. Uh, Dak Prescott, I would even, like, he's number two. Like, Brock Purdy's not even number two anymore. And I, I don't like the process of how well these teams played, and he played bad, he played good. He's the end. Like, he, like Lamar Jackson just surpassed Kirk Cousins in touchdown passes in that San Francisco game. Wow, okay. He, I mean, what, he had five of them in that game? Four? I think like, like he needed a big game to surpass a guy who hasn't played in two months. Mm-hmm. And the and you count the rushing stats, and he's the best or second best rushing quarterback of all time, and that's obviously a part of his game. But people talk about Brock Purdy and the well. What about this Baltimore defense? Like they are exceptional. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 it's. 
It's because Brock Purdy is who he is. If he was Aaron Rodgers, he would be MVP. But he's Brock Purdy, and he's not. Like, he's not just having a good year. Like, he's having, as the article says, one of the best seasons in the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes, his career-high passer rating is 113.8. Brock Purdy is at 113. Pretty good. Patrick Mahomes' career best yards per completion is 13.3. That is the best Mahomes has ever done. Brock Purdy's at 13.9. Pretty good. Like I, compare, I compare him to Patrick Mahomes because that's everybody's favorite and he's the best. And Brock Purdy, and, and this is not a passing era unlike a couple years ago where people were going nuts. Like things have. Scoring's gone down. Jordan's gone down, so this is even more impressive because not everybody's doing this. Mm-hmm. So, like, he won't win it. It'll be Lamar Jackson now. Like, I don't, I don't know how many you vote for. If you vote for what he vote for, three of them, top three, top five. Mm-hmm. Like Lamar Jackson's not my top five. So I mean, so that so that's out there, and, and finally with the Vikings. You've got you're going to spend what sixty million next year on Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. That a good thirty million on each. Is that what we expect to happen? Mm, yeah, 30, roughly thirty million for Cousins, two or three years, and Justin Jefferson will get whatever he will get. Yep. So there, so that's what you got. Sixty million on the two guys, and they're both Justin Jefferson's exceptional. He's the best receiver I've seen since Moss. And I think Moss is the best I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like him, but, I, but I've, I've met him trading him. And Kirk Cousins is very good. But I would go, I would trade Justin Jefferson. Who who needs a receiver? Who wants? I'm looking for a top 10 pick. I'm looking for, would the Jets, would the Jets give me their first round pick? Yes. Yes, they would. So I want that. Okay, so give me the Jets pick. Let's say the Jets pick at 8. Let's say the Vikings pick at, pick at 10 or 12. Vikings pick at 12. Jets pick at 8. Vikings have... So you get rid of Jefferson. You have the 8th pick in the draft. You have the 12th pick in the draft. You do not sign Kirk Cousins. And who do you want them to pick? You want them to pick Jalen Daniels? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, if they... If you, if you have 8 and 12, then why, why not? Would you want, uh, no, Marvin Harrison will probably be picked by then. Yep. You'd have to put in, like, the top three or four. Um, I like Adunze, the receiver for Washington. Like, if you could pair up Michael Penix and Adunze, would you like that combination? I would, would, prefer, you like? I would prefer Cousins and Jefferson over Penix Jr. and Adunze. But then, okay, you want Gene Daniels and you can pick... Whoever you want, offensive line, defensive line, you get your quarterback and you get another top ten pick, and now you have an extra thirty or sixty million dollars to spend. What do the Vikings need? They need like everything. They need go get Brian Burns from Carolina. Do you want him? Mm. He could replace Daniel Hunter. I, I prefer. I would prefer Daniel Hunter. Uh, you want Josh Allen from Jacksonville? Yeah, that would be nice. Yep. 
Okay, cool. So you could get him. Do you want Chris Jones? You want to go to Chris Jones? Oh yeah, that Chris Jones would be nice. Make a big splash. Get your quarter. Get Jaden. 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 What the hell was his name? I think it's Jaden. With an L. I think so. Let's what the hell is this guy? I want to make Jalen with an L. You got no. That's the fucking Kansas quarterback. Okay, then it's Jaden. Jaden with a D. Yes. Jaden Daniels, and you pick a Dunze from Washington, whoever, and then you sign Chris Jones and Josh Allen. Though you should be able to get those two for well under. Thirty million a year, so you can have Jefferson and Cousins, or you can have Daniels from LSU. You can have Adunze from Washington. You can have Josh Allen, and you can have Chris Jones. It's like you, you can spend a lot of that Cousins and Jefferson money on other. I, Would I, you I, want Antoine Winfield Jr. as a free agent? Let's you know Harrison Smith probably not coming back. Let's sign the guy we should have picked, Antoine Winfield Jr. Well, yeah, but that's not going to cost you that much more than what Harrison Smith makes. But you, like, they're going to spend all their money on Jefferson and Cousins. Like, this team isn't going to get any better. Like, they're doing this competitive rebuild thing, and it's just stay that they're not getting they better. were 13 and 4 last year if they didn't if Kirk didn't get injured this year if they didn't have all the injuries that they suffered this team would be they would have won the division they were 13 and 4 last year and we know how fraudulent they were they we would have minimum three game difference here they would be tied with Detroit headed into this week at worst i, I am confident of that what game do they win that they didn't win Denver, Cincinnati, uh, Chicago, those three. That's all, that all of them. I don't. I don't think they were going to win eight games in a row. Who's to say they don't lose? The, would they have lost any of them? Would they have lost against the Falcons? No. Because I remember Dobbs pulling some shit out of his hat in that game. We're assuming that they win every game that they would have. Okay, let's say they do that. Then what happens when they go to the playoffs? So exactly what happened last year happened? No, different. Uh, it, it'd be the different. Defense, I mean, we thought the defense is bad. Again. The defense was bad. The defense was good. The defense was good because they got to play the Bears, the Saints, the Broncos, the Raiders. And then all of a sudden, oh, we get to play the Lions? We don't look so hot. Oh, we get to play the Red Hot Packers? We don't look so hot. We get to play Jake Browning. We don't look so good anymore. Well, Byron Murphy was out. You lose DJ Wanham. Jordan Hicks has been out for a number of weeks. Now, like, granted, he did come back against Detroit, but he's he can't be fully healthy. So, And, and Cousins, like, Cousins wouldn't have anything to do with those injuries. Right. So I'm, I'm not sure. They win the division. They make the play. Like, would, would they have made a run? I don't I think, know. yes. I think based on... What Philly looks like right now? Absolutely, yes. The Vikings would have made a run. You're not going to get me to change my mind on this. So. I know, but I. But we're going to be here in two years, and what are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about well, should they move on from Kevin O'Connell? We've had two more years of Kirk Cousins. By this time, hopefully, they have a quarterback ready to go. Yep. Like they, like their first pick, they need to pick a quarterback. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm fine but with that. That is like non-negotiable. You need to finally. But you can't reach for a quarterback. No, like somebody will be like, you're picking at worst like number 12. Yep. Like somebody like Bo Nix will be there at 12. Yep. Michael, Michael Penix will be there at 12. Yep. Yep. And if you want to move up a couple spots to get somebody like you're in a like you're in a good position to, you don't have to give up a first round pick next year to move up to number eight. So, like two years from now, we're going to be talking about Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is thirty seven now. Kevin O'Connell still hasn't won a playoff game. Like I want this team to be good. I want them to win. And this isn't happening right now. Like, if they bring back Cousins and Jefferson, like I would expect they would, like, what what happens next year? They're going to be very good. Very good. They're going to be better than Detroit. Are they, the Packers have found their quarterback again. The, you, you seem to forget, though, that Cousins was playing at an MVP level before the saying that, but it's not true. It is true, though. He, the only reason it, it looks different because of all the turnovers, because the team kept fumbling. He was playing at an MVP people, people level. Thought, what, people thought, this goes back to the Lamar Jackson MVP discussion, Lamar Jackson is going to win MVP because the Ravens defense picked Brock Purdy up four times on a Monday night game on Christmas night. That's why he's winning MVP. People thought... Kirk Cousins was the MVP because they beat San Francisco again San Francisco on a Monday night when everybody was watching I I, I don't know what you want his stats are slightly better he had a better quarterback rating two years ago Like, you look at some of his numbers, some of his numbers from this year are better. But he has done better in his career. Like, he was better two and three years ago. Sure. Some of his numbers were better two or three years ago when they were seven and nine and eight and eight. Like, he was having another good year. He was having another good Kirk Cousins year. They were four and four. Like, it was the same deal where every game's close. And the only reason why he was in that discussion because it was a weak year as it turned out to be, and because they beat San Francisco. And we know now that well, all you need to do is show well in a prime time game. And then he gets hurt, and they go on to beat the Falcons, and they beat the Saints. And you, you know, wanted Dobbs at that point. You're like, yeah, let's keep Dobbs moving forward. Dobbs was good. And then Dobbs... And then I kept saying, you know, people, Dobbs, Dobbs, Dobbs. Like, Dobbs is a good one half and then he's really bad the second half and like people were ignoring that because well we beat the Saints yeah but you were the one that said let's roll with Dobbs in the next year I could see what we got I would say like we were up three touchdowns against the Saints and the offense just goes goes away and then at some point in that bear and the, the Bears game was bad and the Raiders game was bad and Dobbs was a flash in the pan. Then you put Nick Mullins out there, and he makes something happen, but he just turns it over too much. Mm-hmm. So you can spend $30 million on Cousins. You can spend $30 million on Jefferson. And then we'll see where we're at two years from now. Yeah. 
and we'd be like, well, we could have made a big change. We were picking top 10. We could have made a big splash. We could have traded Jefferson, really done something to change the team. Instead, here we are, always in the middle, always being surpassed by the Packers. Who have, and like I said last week, like the Packers have now found another quarterback that didn't play that well against Tampa Bay or the New York Giants in back-to-back weeks. Like, it, it's not, he's not the second coming of Aaron Rodgers. Well, he's, I would say he's not a Hall of Famer. I thought he would be terrible. He has a chance to lead the league in touchdowns this year. He's, he'll probably finish second in timing. He'll probably finish second in touchdown passes his first year and I don't think anybody had the Packers in the playoffs and they won't be there if they beat the Bears mm-hmm. and like would it stun anybody if they beat Dallas the way Dallas performs in big games like everybody's going to be saying oh you don't want to play the Packers that's what they were saying Sunday night like would it stun anybody if the Packers beat the beat the Cowboys um It'd be an upset. It'd be an upset it would, for sure. I don't know. It, it's it's between surpri- surprised and and stunned. I don't know. <sighs> but then you got the Lions, and I like the Lions. They've been on some draft picks. Sam Laporta, Brian Branch. Um, you know that I you know how I feel about Detroit. So I think they're going to be good for mm-hmm. more than just one or two years. And you've got the Bears with Justin Fields, who I would still say Justin Fields can go to hell. Um. Because if the Bears, I get the Bears decide we're going to pick Marvin Harrison Jr. at the first pick. Jesus Christ! I want to I mean. see what the uh, what the Lions look like next year if their offensive coordinator is gone. If Ben Johnson is gone, I want to see what that team looks like. Because sure. I, I think the Lions are built forces. I mean, they got Jameer Gibbs, they got David Montgomery. Yeah, but the offensive two, coordinator matters. We're seeing that in Philadelphia this year. That's fine. That's fine. They can. I think they'll figure it out. So it's it's just like I, I just feel like they're not going and they're they're not getting better. I love Dan Campbell going for two very risky, especially the second time we're at the fucking seven eight yard line. We're we're going to say fuck you to the referee. We're going to still go for this. And it just feels like they're not getting better. And remember, you know, the Lions were four and twenty three. In Dan Campbell's first 27 games. Yeah, and they're what, whatever they are after that. They yeah. are, so give Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi some time. But I feel like they're all—they're never going to be that bad. But they're never going to be as good as the Lions. They are never... The Vikings are always going to be stuck in the middle. We'll see. With the, I, I'm willing to let this play out. I am not the doomsday... The, 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 you know, the Packers... Last year was a bad year. I mean, the Packers almost made the playoffs, but... Like, Aaron Rodgers' first year was bad, but then they're good for the next 10. And, like, the Packers are a very, like, they're what, they're the youngest team, second youngest team in the NFL, whatever that is. Yep. And they've rebuilt, and they have all of these young guys. And now they're they're a surprise this year. They're playing well at the right time, and they're probably going to be a very popular pick next year to, to do something. Meanwhile, the Vikings seem like an old team, and they never, they never do that. They never say, okay, we're going to, like, rebuilding in the NFL. Like, you can rebuild in the NFL. This is not baseball. 
where it's going to take five years. Like, you can rebuild in the NFL at a snap of a finger. Like, it can be like a one-year process. Like, it doesn't need to be this long process. And if you keep Cousins, and that's a lot of money to tie up, and I gave this other scenario of using that money for other players, and even if you don't get, you know, the, the top-tier free agents. Well, that, Tyler, then, then what's I the mean, point? If you're not getting to Chris Jones or Brian Burns, then the, what is the point? Bit. You get Tyron Smith, offensive tackle for Dallas. They don't need an offensive tackle. You move him to right tackle, or Brian O'Neill's the right tackle? Yes. You move him to right tackle, you move Brian O'Neill to guard to replace the, the pro bowler that is Ed Ingram. Then all of a sudden, you've got a really good offensive line. No. no I, I mean, there, there, are, there are ways to go about this instead of saying... Thirty million for Jefferson, thirty million for Cousins, and then what do they do? They lose Hunter, they lose Harrison Smith. Who who do they who do they don't have any money to replace them? Well, thirty yeah, million for Kirk Cousins is you get two top ten picks. You got fifty sixty million to spend on. Like how how do they thirty million for Kirk Cousins is actually fairly cheap on the quarterback market right now. No, but I can get somebody for ten million in Michael Penix. And you're still gonna take growing pains with him at the helm. I am willing to go a season winning six games if it means winning thirteen for a few years and being bad. I'm willing to take two steps back to take four steps forward. They seem like they're willing to take a half step back to take a half step forward. Is this, uh, unless they do something different, this will continue to be a team that is just... This team would have won double-digit games this year if it, if Cousins hadn't gotten injured, if Jefferson hadn't gotten injured. I guarantee this, it. Eight and nine, like they were, what, 0-6 with Jefferson? When did they finally win a game with Jefferson? Uh, the Vegas game. And that was in December. It took him to December. It took him, what, seven? Seven games to and, win? And he got hurt. It, it, that's not his fault. But Travis, we're not going to... I'm, I'm not going to continue this. Like, it, it's not... It, like, it just doesn't... It doesn't... I would rather... I, I, I like my plan of getting the rookie quarterback, getting a rookie receiver... Like, again, who, like, who are they going to sign to make this team better? I don't know. Are they going to give Jefferson and Cousins? I remember you wanted Jefferson so badly during the draft, I and now do, you're just I willing do, to... I, 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 I still like that he is... Like, he, is, like he made a couple of fucking catches against the Packers. Like, Jesus Christ, there's that one that was almost a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And the Packers got one foot in him. Like, fuck, nobody else is getting that. And I like, like, he is exceptional. But you can trade him for a top 10 pick, and you can use, I feel like you can have a better team moving money around to sign other people. Because I just don't know, like, who are, who do they, like, how do they, how does this team get better? If it's Jefferson and Cousins, we've seen that, that's good. How does this competitive rebuild bullshit that they keep on, like, how do they get better? They got to make a big move. 
But you aren't guaranteed that the draft picks work out or the free agents work out either. And we're not guaranteed that if we sign Cousins, all of a sudden we're going to do something they that was, he's never done. He was far and better that, in year two than he was in year one. Like it, We won one playoff game in six. It's like, all right, we've tried this, that. They, but he has an offensive-minded head coach now. And you're seeing... Right. When Kevin O'Connell, like how many playoff games is Kevin O'Connell going to win? I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, uh, I said the over-under at one and a half. I bet he wins more than that. I don't, I don't, when, when is that gonna, I don't, I don't see that happen next. Like the de- is the defense going to be this good? Defense will be better. If, as long as Brian Flores is back, they'll be fine. I don't think he's coming back. I, I don't think, based on the last three games, what, like where is he going? Ignore New England. New England should say, hey, Brian Flores... No, he's not going. Come to England, come, come anywhere. Like I don't. No, he, he I will. Just, he will I recognize. Think I, would, I would be stunned. I would be stunned if Brian Flores. No, we'll see. Like I think, I think everybody knew this was a one-year deal for him. I, like he, he's like I. You have a chance here to do something, and I don't think that I think they're going to continue to do what they've done, and. They're going to continue to be what they've been. And we're going to do this again next year and say, well, we could have done this again, but we decided to go back to the same old hand, and here we are again. So I just get tired of this team being mediocre. Okay. It seems like they're okay. They're okay being average. It's like we just want to be average. We don't want to, we don't want to take a shot. We want to be safe. Kirk Cousins is the safe pick. Let's just, we know what we have in him, and we know that we can maybe make the playoffs once every three years, and that's okay with us. And they need a spark. Jared Stidham is that spark sack, and that's what they need. Uh, yeah. We'll see how it all pans out. Uh, let's just lose to the Lions, though, this week. Secure the... And even, okay, and even if they do well next year and they go 13-4... and four, are they, are they making the Super Bowl? Are they making the NFC title game? Are they beating San Francisco? They could. Are they beating the Eagles? Are they going to be better than the Packers and the Lions next year? They could. Right you, don't, you don't know that. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I, I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl. They aren't and winning. They aren't going 13-4 and four next year under your plan. So, like, that's... No, but they could go 13-4 and four in a couple years under my plan. They could go 13 or more. I'm sacrificing short term success for long term success because they want to be, they want to be, they don't want to bottom out. They don't want to be, they want to continue to be average. And unless you take a shot, you're never going to be. Who are they, uh, find your quarterback. This can all change if they keep cousins, but they also find their quarterback. Yeah. Keep Cousins, keep Jefferson, take the quarterback at number 12. Yeah, why would, like, that's a perfectly reasonable plan. You don't need to, like, blow everything up for that. Like, that's, yeah, like, I'm fine with that. But then how does the defense get better? They find guys, they have other guys. I got a question, though, okay, you're going to lose Hunter and Smith. Like, the defensive line is not, I mean, they blitz a lot. Defensive line is not very good. Outside of Daniel Hunter, defense line's not good. Let's see if DJ Wadham comes back. We'll f- they'll figure it out, Travis. They'll, they'll figure I it out. I don't like, I don't like the, the answer of figure it out. It's like, 
they've got a big asset in Jefferson, which they can move for cheaper assets, and they can also use, like, would you rather have Jefferson, or would you rather have the first-round pick? I'd rather have Jefferson. I'd rather have Jefferson. All right. So we'll, 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 we'll revisit this. Yes. January next year. We'll see. All right. Where are we at with this? Yeah. And it may change by training camp or the regular season, too. We have no idea. Like, at this point, I don't see them being better than the Packers or the Lions next year. I think the Packers all, are only going to get better. I think they're all very even, and I think if, if Detroit loses their offensive coordinator to a head coaching job, the Lions will take a bit of a step back. Plus, they're going to have a more difficult... I think they'll be fine with that. Plus, they have a, a more difficult schedule next year with a first place. So let's let's see how the Lions handle first place before we, we crown them. So that's... Crown them. We're crown Well, have a great rest of your week, my friend. And, uh, you know, good luck with the games. And we'll talk to you next week. We'll see you next week. And uh, go Vikings. Go Vikings. Go, go lose. No, go big, go blue, go Jacks. That's what we need. Go Jacks. Go Jacks. Jacks. Jacks beat the shit out of Montana. Yes. Right. yes. We're talking national championship next week. That's right. We're doing it. Very good. Thank you, Travis. Travis Crins joining me here, Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time as always. He is hell bent on making the Vikings into something that I, I don't think they need to be, but but we'll see how it all pans out. Uh, we are going to keep uh, going here on the Sports Block Podcast, talking about the college football semifinals and uh, preview next uh, Monday's championship game. Charlie Hildebrand will be joining us here to see what all uh, happens. So. Uh, that that much more coming up here as we roll on with the first 2024 edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Stay tuned. Find us on podcast.com or archive.org. Also follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis Crins on Twitter at Travis Crins. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. What did Charlie think of the semifinal games, and what is who does he like to win the national championship? We'll discuss that next. As we roll on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. But hey, we're continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, the first Sports Block Podcast of 2024. Pleased to be joined by my good friend, our resident college football expert from the North, uh, the, the Northwest, uh, the Northwest Iowa Daily. No, I got that wrong. The Northwest, Northwest Iowa, Iowa Review. Iowa Review. Review. Yes, yeah, but it wasn't Daily. It's the, the Mitchell Daily Republic. The Northwest Iowa Review. Fresh off his trip from New York, it's Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, let me be among the last to wish you a happy new year. It's been a year since we've spoken. Yeah, it's been, it's been a minute, and let me be the first to wish you a uh, happy Valentine's Day. Well, thank so you. Over a month here. Oh, thank you. Thank you very You're much. Uh, before we get into the college football, though, let's uh, let's talk about your trip to New York. How was it? Uh, saw some pictures on social media, the, the the tacos looked absolutely incredible. You went to a barcade with your sister. Uh, what you went to a, a play, I believe, and and we went to a play on Broadway that I did not know we were going to until the day of. Wow! Because okay. and I and maybe they did that on purpose. They if they were like, "Do you want to go to a play?" That I, Charlie would have been like, "Uh, no, not really." <laughs> um, and I'm not a big play guy. It was also a musical. It is worth noting that I was like, that was okay, which is probably like a ringing endorsement. Okay. And it's like, oh, this guy that doesn't really do this specific kind of thing uh, generally enjoyed it. 
Uh, it was called Shucked. I don't know if that's because Dad and my sister both went to the University of Nebraska and were from the Midwest. I don't know. Sure. But it's about a small town in the South that makes corn and that there's a problem with the corn and they have to get it fixed. It is a comedy with lots of puns and double entendres. Oh, fantastic. That's great. Uh, there were, there was, they all did this song. There was one character who they would be like, what do you think? And he'd rattle off like three jokes in a row. And they weren't all like dirty or semi-dirty. Some of them kind of were. The one that I remember the most is they were, is, is, is someone said something about predicting or guessing something. And this one guy said, if I had a crystal ball, I'd probably walk funny. And I was like, <laughs> oh, clever. <laughs> And there were a good. lot of jokes like that, though. Very good. Uh, so what else did you do in New York then? Um, again, those tacos looked absolutely incredible. Did they look as good Los as they... Los Tacos, number one. I know there's at least two locations. The one we went to was in Times Square. And incredibly good. Would highly recommend. Lots of food places in New York City, so obviously it's not like mm-hmm. it's the only good spot. But it's relatively cheap. You know, you, you can find incredibly high-end expensive stuff that's quite good. But, you know, if you just want three or four tacos and a pop for, you know, teens or 20 bucks or so, then I would definitely recommend Los Tacos number one. Okay. Excellent. Any, any other highlights from the trip that, uh, that you'd like to go over? Uh, had a lot of cookies, uh, was, did not, uh, do any dieting stuff there, ate incredibly, uh, well in terms of tasting good, but poorly in terms of calories and fat and stuff. Lots of cookies that were incredibly good, um, I, uh, I think I posted a photo of it, the photo doesn't do it justice, uh, that there's a sub place in Queens, I forget if it's Queens or Brooklyn, uh, called Sal, Chris, and Charlie's. Just a coincidence that my name's on there. I don't that, have anything to do with that. Tell me, tell me that you went there in part because your name was in there. No, actually, I went there about a year and a half ago, the last time, because okay. my sister and I were in, I think it's in Queens, and we were in there for something else, and just looked for a place to eat and had high ratings, you know, just like a deli, mm-hmm. you know, inside a bodega or whatever, and... It's like, oh, you know, look, I think it was I was originally going to get a pastrami on rye, but and like they had those, but it's not what this place specialized in. And they had a sub sandwich called, I don't remember if it's the bomb or dub bomb. And like two people in front of me are like, oh, if you've never been here, you got to get this. Okay. And I'm kind of a picky eater. I got mine without, oh, also this sandwich is like, hey, we're literally putting everything in our store here on this. Okay. I don't like lettuce or tomatoes, so I got mine without lettuce or tomatoes. Kept everything else, though, and it's probably the best sub I've ever made. I also generally am like, I want a warm toasted sub. They don't do that. It's a cold cold sub, and it doesn't matter because it's delicious. Okay. And it's also massive. The last time I went to visit my sister, this was in, I think, August of 22, um, we stopped there. We didn't know how big it would be, uh, and couldn't. I mean, I couldn't finish it. I was a lot heavier and eating more than couldn't even come close to finishing it. Had my sister help me, she couldn't. We couldn't finish it, and had to throw it away because we didn't have a place to hold it or store it. Anywhere, oh wow! As we were getting on, but anyways, this time 
But they were like, oh, do you want us to cut this? And I'm like, yeah, let's cut it into thirds. And we'll take this back to her apartment. And I'm not going to try to eat the whole thing at once. And then I spread it. And uh, I think I reshared it some the first day. And then I had the rest of it for a second meal. But okay. it is also like, I don't know, it's, I think it's 18 bucks. And you could easily get three meals, if not four meals out of it. Wow, that is good value then. For that that sub, no doubt. Uh, well, you're giving me some. You're make, one making me hungry, and two, you make me want to go to New York just to try these places out. Um, but I'm glad you had a good trip. Did you see the Pinstripe Bowl while you were in town? I did not. I knew that it was going on. I forgot the day. Um, the only thing, even remotely related to it, is that. Uh, uh, my parents left, I think, two or three days after I got there, and then I was there for another, I think, two full days without them. Okay. Um, and then I think that they left, and then it was a day that it was just me and my sister that the Fed Strike Bowl took place. Because we were on the subway. My parents are old enough that, I mean, they could walk, but we didn't take the subway when they were there because it was easier to just get Ubers and stuff. Sure. But, that's just to say that there was one day we were on the subway, my sister and I, and I saw two people get on, a uh, male and a female, who I don't know if they were dating or in a relationship or not, but one was wearing a Miami shirt and one was wearing a Rutgers shirt. I was like, I wonder uh, if they're together, if this uh, has created issues or if this was just like, hey, let's just buy stuff, and it's just a coincidence. But since they played each other, I'm assuming that was on that day and they were either coming or going from that game or at least that earlier that day if they are fans of if one's a fan of Rutgers and one's a fan of Miami and they are in a relationship together it makes the relationship spicy uh when when you're when you are going head to head I'll just that's true that uh we'll hope that they're still together here congrats to Rutgers on uh on winning that and we'll get to the college football semifinals in a second, but I think we have to address the elephant in the room, and that is that... That Alabama lost? Just kidding. You said we're doing... The New Year's Six bowl games. This bowl game... It, who? I don't even care that Kansas State won. It was everything that happened afterward, or like even like the Pop-Tart mascot during the game, you know, you know spanking a ref's butt... Uh, you know, playing guitar, you know, just all the fireworks and all the, the signs and stuff. And then he's, uh, dreams really do come true. And he goes down on the toaster and then an edible, a mascot comes out and it is devoured by Kansas it's, state. It's like, worth noting the, as he's going down into the toaster, the sign, he throws the sign out of the toaster yes. at the last moment. Yes. That for me is just really the cherry on top of Sunday, that that's what really makes it funny. Yes. And interesting, the throwing the sign at the end. Yes. Yep. I, everything about this was great, and I feel as though if I am not playing in a New Year's Six game or in the, in the college football playoff next year, I am desperately trying to get to Orlando to the Pop-Tart Bowl because everything about this was incredible. The branding, the, the marketing officer or who of Kellogg's, or, you know, the, the, that owns Pop-Tarts or makes pop like every, whoever's in charge needs to get me like get a significant raise. Cause this was absolutely great. 
the brand exposure was fantastic, but just overall, the creativity that went into this bowl game now I think has become must-see TV for next year. Um, I think must-see must see TV may be a half-step too far, but okay. I agree with your overall point that if you are not one of the biggest of the big games, you should be doing something like this. It, it doesn't have to. I mean, it, it, the other thing is you have to be careful and make it, whether it's organic or not, at least make it seem organic. You know, the Mayo Bowl, I don't even remember if they dumped Mayo. I don't think they dumped any Mayo on anyone this year. I think, no, I believe they did. I think they dumped it on the West Virginia head coach. I saw a picture of it. Oh, okay. Well, good. I should also say I watched well, everything on January 1st. There were a lot of other games I missed in New York. Sure. Um, yeah. But... The Mayo Bowl, I mean, that's just one thing, but I think that's a clever idea. This is a clever idea. What you don't, I think what you don't want to do is just everyone do the Mayo Bowl thing and be like, oh, well, let's just dump this on the couch. Right. Or, oh, let's just let everyone eat this afterwards. You have to come up with your own interesting spin. But like you said, essentially do something like that that makes you stick out, make something memorable so it's like, oh, this is fun and people actually are going to be talking about this in a positive way, aside from just the game. And then if the game's good and close, that just makes things better. But do you think, like, anyone is talking about the game itself? I think everyone's talking about the Pop-Tart mascot. I mean, he's appearing in... The the Pop-Tart mascot's appearing in memes and... Oh, yeah. Nobody talks about any of the non-Big Bowl games unless, A, the the Big Bowl games aren't any good, which was not the case this year. They were fantastic semi-final games. And it also has to be like an all-time great game, too. Which, yeah. I mean, there were good games. I don't think any of the non-playoff games. And again, not to knock any of them. Well, some of them were good, but I don't know if any of those, like five years later, we're going to be like, oh, man, remember the Holiday Bowl? That's the best bowl game I've ever seen. I'm just saying, like, I if I went up to the average sports fan or something and said, hey, uh what'd you make of the Myrtle Beach Bowl this year? And they couldn't tell me that it was Ohio and Georgia Southern. Uh, and I say, oh, who played in this uh, bowl in Orlando? Uh, you know, Kansas State, NC State, you know, they, they, or Kansas, yeah, they, they may not get it. But if I said, hey, what did you think about the Pop-Tart Bowl? And all of a sudden they start spouting off about, oh my gosh, did you see the, the Pop-Tart get eaten and them dancing and everything like that? Like, it's just incredible, like, I, again, I don't even think we're going to be remembering the game itself, but we're, we're going to remember all of the antics and everything that went into it with the Pop-Tart itself. And I think that's, I, that's I, the good part. In it'll this. be interesting to see if we do remember that a year from now. But certainly, I mean, they did their job. For multiple days later, people are still talking about it, yeah. which is something that's incredibly hard to do. You know, for a non-New Year's Six Bowl. Yep. I, I guess you know if they if they dominate the headlines this year for the Pop Tart or for for bowl season. You know, if we forget about it a few months from now, we'll we'll remember it at you know the start of college football season next year, perhaps. Uh, certainly, when bowl season arrives, we'll be like, oh yeah, remember the Pop Tart Bowl? Let's see let's see what they do this year. So yeah, it's not going to be mainstream for you know ever, but at least. For the few days after and during the game itself, boy, they got a lot more attention to it than just about any other bowl game is going to on average. Oh, definitely. I mean, they 
they absolutely they hit a walk-off grand slam with what they wanted to do. It couldn't have gone better. Uh, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, they uh, annihilated Penn State. That's not a, you know, I think uh, James I, Annihilated is maybe a okay. little too far. They okay. won comfortably, I would say. Yeah. Uh, Georgia annihilated is, Florida State. Yeah, I was just but gonna, I would I would say oh, Ole Miss handled Penn State would be the way I would say it. Yes, yep, annihilation. Yeah, the, the Florida State. Got pants, uh, got their pants pulled down by Georgia. That's that's annihilation. Um, Ole Miss, though, just to touch on them for a second here. A lot of the guys come back. Jackson Dart's coming back next year. They've gotten really good uh, guys in the transfer portal and stuff. This to me seems like an all but guaranteed playoff team next year, given that we're expanding to twelve. But dare I say, could could Ole Miss be? I, I don't want to. I, I need Lane Kiffin to prove it first, but dare I say, is Ole Miss potentially the favorite in the SEC West next year? Um, I would say let's wait and see how everything with the rest of signing day in February and some transfer portal stuff, which we'll still have goes. But but I think they're probably. I mean, I think we would still say Alabama and Georgia are going to be the two to look at first. But you know. They will be Ole Miss next year. Will be this year's version of LSU heading into the year, and it just depends if they can find a way to do enough on defense to be like, oh, actually, they are really good, and don't go a disappointing nine and four. Is that what LSU finished after winning? Um, ten and three. Ten and three. Ten and three. Okay, and not not to knock them. I mean, ten and three is still a solid year, but based off where they were going into the year. I think if you would have said, "Are you satisfied at ten and three if you're LSU?" and they'd be like, "No, of course we're not satisfied oh. with that." And I had a Heisman Trophy candidate, uh, winning quarterback that, yeah. that uh, you know, kind of look at all, everything that he did. I mean, he's almost like a Lamar Jackson 2.0 potentially here. What, what we're going to see? Uh, I mean, I think Jane Daniels is going to get drafted. Nice. I look forward to him destroying my Dolphins in three years now, too. Uh, well, you know what? Your Dolphins weren't at full strength, so uh, take solace in that. But uh, losing Bradley Chubb and Xavier Howard, uh, not boding well uh, come playoff time um, for the defense, potentially. But... Um, Anyway, back to the matter at hand. I, I do think Ole Miss, they were really impressive to me. And then I i, I really appreciate what Kirby Smart said post-game of the Orange Bowl that, uh, you know, Georgia wins, what, 63-3. to It's the largest victory uh, in bowl history. And he said, you know, we got to change this. Something has to be fixed. Something has to be changed here. So apart from the fact that, yeah, he, they, they put up 60. And Georgia just went in there to play. Like, it's not their fault that Florida State had 29 opt-outs. It's not their fault that, you know, Jordan Travis got injured and whatnot. They're just, they're playing Florida State. They're, they're playing the opponent in front of them. And George, give Georgia a lot of credit because all those guys kind of banded together and say, we want to finish the season on a good note here, we're not going to do a lot of, we're not going to have a whole lot of opt-outs or anything like that. And Georgia played, but what Kirby Smart said afterwards, like, that's not good, what we just did to them. Like, that puts their players in a very bad spot 
you know, uh, you know, all the opt-outs and stuff. Like, it's just not good for them. It's not good for the team. It's not good for college football. Do you agree with Kirby Smart's um, remarks, his post-game remarks, specifically related to what happened to Florida State and how, you know, that's not good for college football. And it, like we've been saying this, I guess, for a couple of years now with all the opt outs and and what have you. But for a coach now to be saying it from a prestigious university after just embarrassing his uh, the the opposing team, for the winning head coach to say that, and it being Kirby Smart back to back national champion, I feel like that's going to carry maybe a little more clout than it otherwise would. Um, I I would say it probably does carry a little more clout. I agree with what he said. The problem is I don't know what we're going to do about it. I mean, I don't know if there's an easy way to change rules to make it work. Um, I mean, we can, you could try to change around the transfer portal window some, but, you know, if guys are leaving, they're going to want to be able to enroll at the next school before the semester starts. So, Do you... Um, do you think, and I feel like we floated this idea out in the past, but I've heard it brought up a couple of times now, that you move both the bowl games, the non-New Year's Six and non-playoff you know, play, uh, you know playoff bowl games, that you move those to the beginning of the season, so you would essentially be awarding it to next year's team, but that, you, that would be like your week one or your week zero would be the bowl games. I've heard about that. I'm going to counter with a better idea. This is one that was given to me. I think I've briefly mentioned this guy a couple of times. My friend that lives in Montana, that was briefly, uh, I forget what his title was with SDS football. He was in graduate school, but he wasn't a GA. I think he was an unpaid intern because they already had their GA spots filled. Anyways, I don't remember if he said he came up with this idea or he heard someone else saying this, but this is kind of a way that sort maybe doesn't kill two or three birds with one stone, but at least wounds two or three birds with one stone. Um, We've talked about conference realignment a lot Mm -hmm. and that there's all these rivalries we don't have anymore. And I think basically what we should do is that if you are not in a 12 team playoff and you qualify for a bowl, you can even do it if you know if you you know one of the teams qualifies for a bowl and not both of them. You can find a way to make it work. But then you just say, "Hey, guess what? You didn't get to play your old rival in the regular season. Neither of you made the playoff. You're playing each other wherever you want. We could do it neutral side, or we could do a home and away. Wherever's warmer, whatever you want. But you could be like, "Hey, guess what? You know if." Uh, Let's say Virginia goes to the Big Ten, Virginia Tech stays in the ACC. You'd mm-hmm. be like, you know what? You guys both qualified. You didn't make the playoff. Virginia and Virginia Tech, you're playing in a bowl game. And I think that that would be a way that, I don't know if it fixed the opt-out thing, but I think there's at least a little more juice of we want to play this team that we don't like and our historical rivals with. Mm-hmm. And it also, you know, I don't – when you get to like the non New Year Six bowl games, but like the upper tier ones, some of those maybe this isn't the same case for. But when we're, you know, we're talking about the Pinstripe Bowl or the Quick Lane Bowl, I don't think you know unless a team hasn't played the bowl game in five years mm-hmm. is going to be like stoked about going to that one. But if it's like, oh hey, guess what? You know, 
Oklahoma and Nebraska aren't in the playoff, but somehow Nebraska magically made a bowl game again. You're like, oh, hey, Nebraska and Oklahoma are going to play. Or the other thing, too, is that there are enough that are either used to be in the same conference or are close enough regionally that there are a lot of ways you can make that work, I think, maybe not perfectly, but at least really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it would be like, oh, hey, guess what? USC, you got to play Stanford again now because you both made a bowl game, but neither of you made the playoffs. And that would be, I think that would be what I would do. And then just the only thing is if you want to make it. So it's one of the, you know, is that technically the Sun Bowl or is that just there's no Sun Bowl and they're just playing it at the the Coliseum in Los Angeles? I don't know. Yeah, see, I, I feel like you would need to still play it at these bowl sites. And that would be the only, maybe, well, yeah. I, but I we feel can like, also, I don't think it has to be all or none. I mean, I think you could do it so, like, maybe, you know, like the top third of them. Like, if you want, I mean, and some of these have gone through so many name changes. I don't remember what they're called anymore. But if you start talking about, like, the Citrus Bowl, you know, the Sun Bowl's kind of a historical one, even though it's not one of the three or four best. Like, keep some of those. I think that's great. I'm not opposed to that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't know if we're like, oh, the famous Idaho potato bowl is something that needs to, to stick around. I well, think uh, yeah, yeah. I think that we, we could do what I said and still pick enough of the bowls that they could do their thing. You could still have the Pop-Tart Bowl doing fun stuff like that, mm-hmm. but also not be mean and cruel enough to send people to Detroit in, in December, too. Uh, I I think the L.A. Bowl could be gotten rid of. We don't need that. Uh, I'm trying to think of another bowl game or two that um, that's relatively new that we just don't need anymore. The other thing, too, is a lot of the bowls are like ESPN created them because they just want bowl games to fill out content. Right. They're not going to care if their 19th bowl game that's between you know, Conference USA in the 10th place SEC team actually has a specific name or if it's actually just like, hey, guess what? LSU and Tulane are going to play each other yeah. in New Orleans. And it's not the name of any bowl. They're just going to play each other. I don't think they're going to be like, how dare you? We need the, you know, whatever. The yep. car com care bowl right. or whatever. Uh- I, I think I think your your proposal does have some validity to it. Um, I, I just, something needs to change, and especially with the playoff expanding to twelve teams next year, we don't need all of these bowl games. And if you're going to have the opt out, like plus, I've seen this argument too. You know, now that college, or now that sports betting is legalized in many states, and you have all of these leagues you know, kind of getting in bed with, with gambling. And college football has the money lines. I mean, we see the bad beat segment that Scott Van Pelt does on SportsCenter every week. And there it does come to a point where all these opt-outs and not knowing who's playing, like who's actually going to play in a game or how long they're going to play, for it does affect overall betting and... That couldn't. That can create a problem too. If uh, you know the money line, or you know the you know the football power index, or whatever, if they aren't getting swayed by you know by who's playing and who's not, 
that's a, just another uh, tentacle in this all as well as that needs to... You need to have some sort of regulation when it comes to the bedding. There, are, you need to have some sort of openness about it because people are gonna people aren't gonna put five hundred dollars down on Ohio winning if they if they're starting quarterback who you're just looking up and like, wow, his stats are really good. You know, let you know if he's gonna play, that's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, pay to, you know, see Ohio, I'm going to make a bet on Ohio, and then he doesn't play, it's like, wait, what, why, why, why did that happen? I think that, that avenue needs to be addressed as well. One counterpoint, and if we're talking, this wouldn't work for seniors, if you're a senior and you're out of eligibility after the bowl game anyways, this wouldn't necessarily include them Mm -hmm. one positive of nil and uh, i don't know if we've seen tons of this yet but i would imagine there will be some cases of this if you're a top 10 draft pick you're gonna go almost always but i think it will be interesting for some of these nil guys when it's like oh hey well you know i could leave after my junior year I'm only going to be a fourth or a fifth round draft pick. You know, I, they, I forget what the name of it is, but they do that thing where you can submit, not yes. declare for the draft, but submit, and they have these people look and be like, we think you'll go in this round, mm-hmm. roughly, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I do think it'll be interesting, especially at, like, the big schools with lots and lots and lots of booster money, that there will probably be guys who are good enough that they could go pro early and be a mid-round draft pick. But we'll be like, oh, wait, actually, if I'm getting picked in the fourth or the fifth or the sixth round, I'm getting enough in NIL cash. And we may see that with boosters, too, of getting guys more money to keep them to stay in college. If they're like, oh, wait, you're actually a really – I'm trying to think of an example of a position because, you know, for a, a quarterback or an edge rusher or a tackle, it maybe wouldn't. Those are so valuable, it's different. But if you're talking about like an offensive guard or an inside linebacker, you know, a position that's important but is not at the same level premium, I think you could see cases where they're like, well, yeah, they're coming back and they're playing in the bowl game because they're going to get an extra one and a half million dollars that he said next year. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, actually, I'm going to get more if I do that next year than if I leave oh, yeah. and get whatever. I, and I don't remember, I don't know what the pay structure is, but I know it's not like it used to be where, you know, I know they cap it for the first round. I don't know what you are as a fourth or a fifth round pick, but it's, but obviously there could be more. So that would be, cool. and we're, I don't think that's going to happen like a ton every year. But the upside of NIL is that something where it could work for guys who are like, actually, I think I'm going to stay for another year in college. Well, look, look at what it's doing uh for Caitlin Clark at Iowa in women's college basketball. Like she could have, de- I think she could have declared for the WNBA draft last year, but she's waking, making way more money in NIL than she ever would in the WNBA. So Caitlin Clark's going to stay. And I, I get that that's more probably of an extreme than, than anything, but you, to your point, yeah, there is that potential that you're going to make a lot more at NIL. Like, uh, like Brock Purdy, the San Francisco 49ers starting quarterback, he's making less than some quarterbacks in college football through NIL. Like that's yeah, that's true. just ridiculous. So yeah, I think that I think that would be a benefit to it. Uh Georgia absolutely annihilated Florida State. I feel like Georgia probably should have been in the college football playoff. I do th- I do think though that 
Florida State losing by 60 by no means is validation to the, oh, Florida State, see, the, the committee was right. Florida State shouldn't be in the college football play, uh, shouldn't have been in the college football playoff because they just lost by 60. You have all of the opt-outs. Uh, like I, those, those players likely wouldn't have opted out or not as many of them would have opted out if Florida State's playing in the college football playoff as opposed to just the Orange Bowl. So the the final result of the Orange Bowl is not indicative of the committee choosing Alabama over Florida State. You know what it is indicative of, though? What's that? That they'll be in the SEC within three years. Because already it's, ah, we didn't care about this game, which is the all-time SEC. Whenever they win, it's, oh, you can't beat us. When we come to play, we're unbeatable. Whenever they win, it's, ah, we didn't care. Well, it just means more, SEC. It just means more. And speaking of that... Let's get into those uh, college football semifinal games. Rose Bowl was another classic. I, I hear classic, and I'm like, eh, okay, I I get it. Like, it was a good game, but I don't know. It wasn't Georgia-Oklahoma uh, from a few years back. I recall, like, Oregon and Ohio State playing in a decent game. Um <clears throat> I mean, oh, this was way better than the Oregon Ohio State national title game. No, no, no. But I was thinking they, they played in another Rose Bowl not too long ago, maybe a decade, maybe oh. maybe it's a decade ago. Sorry, I thought we were talking just oh no, no. national title games. Yeah, no. I'm just everyone's like, oh, it's a classic Rose Bowl game or classic at the Rose Bowl. You don't think it was? <sighs> I will grant you that. Like, if you want, it was, the first quarter wasn't great. I won't dispute that. But I think, honestly, I think other than it being a little bit less big play crazy, it essentially followed the same script that Boise State and Oklahoma did. I think everyone forgets that Oklahoma and Boise State wasn't a good game for three quarters, and then it just got bonkers at the end. Sure. Well, this one, I don't know if I would say bonkers. I wouldn't say it got bonkers at the end, but there were big plays at the right time that I think made it a great finish. And if you have a great finish especially in a big game with high stakes, and there's no higher stakes other than the game next week, that that automatically is going to bump it up. Sure, and I think, yeah, that's that's fair, that it was a, a good ending, like a great but ending. If, Michigan... if you want to say that the first half wasn't great, especially in the first quarter, I'm not going to hold that against you. Yeah. I would probably agree. Yeah. I think there was enough big stuff after that. Too many fumbles. And obviously, and, you know, going to overtime, it came yeah. down to the final play that I would say it was a classic. Too many fumbles and misplay. I mean, Alabama on that last possession in the second half, too, with the the, the, the fumbles and everything. It's just like, this is not the Alabama that we're used to seeing. Which, again, more I think validates those of us that say they shouldn't have been in there, you know, whether it's Florida State or Georgia, I honestly think, you know, Georgia had I mean, a right. I don't know how you could put Georgia in, though, after losing to Alabama. You know, but they, to knock them out completely after being number one, I, like, they only lost to. They lost the only game that mattered all season. I know, I know. It just, I, I it's also, this, we can debate this. It's not yeah. relevant because next year they'd, they'd all be in. Right, right. Um, yeah, it just, 
I, I don't know. This Alabama team was good. And then the final play in overtime. So, obviously, give credit to Michigan for driving down the field and scoring when they needed to. Tie the game up at 20. Um, was it Roman Wilson or whatever, the, the wide receiver for Michigan? He's fantastic. Uh, for as much as Blake Corum. Yep, great catch. Yes. Great catch in a big moment. Yes. As much as we talk about, or like Michigan's offense kind of centered around Blake Corum, the running back, I feel like. Roman Wilson is the straw that really stirs the drink for Michigan because he is that true kind of downfield threat for Michigan. They're going to need that. But incredible job, uh, kind of riding him, right? You know, getting on his back and and getting that that touchdown to force overtime there. And, and then a great touchdown by Corum in overtime. Yes, yeah. It was you know two plays. In I think he's end. still breaking tackles right now. He could be. And then for Alabama, Jalen Milrow, that that last play call, and even like after that, that the catch, I thought, oh, okay, like here, here's Alabama. Alabama's gonna score and gonna figure out. But they were just out of. It felt like they were out of sync much of the game offensively. Credit Michigan's defense, but especially that last. Yeah, play I call, think what we have to that? definitely say I think a big part of why they were out of sync was because of Michigan's defense. Do you think Michigan's defense is going to have that same effect against Washington? Because I don't, because I think Washington's a better offensive team. Or are they more finesse, whereas Alabama's more ground and pound? Um, I think they'll have to play differently against Washington, but I think they could be just as successful. I mean, I don't think they're going to hold them to 10, but, you know, Penix mm. is just, he's better at passing than maybe anybody else in the country this year. Yep. But... I think that they could. The other thing is, before we start talking about next week, do we do you want to talk about the last play of the game? The in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Yeah. I mean, my go. hot take. I actually think it was a good call, and it might have worked if the center had a good snap. The, the center had a bad snap, and that changed the timing, and it sure. slowed sure. Milro down a half second. Now, if you want to say it's a bad play call because the center had, had multiple bad snaps. And you don't want that to affect things. I'll grant you that if you were to say from that perspective. But I think if you just look at like the second the ball hits his hand, before he, you know, kind of stumbles and gathers himself with the ball, there's a hole there that I think there's, I'm not saying he would have scored, but it's like, oh, we're going to have a, like a hit at the goal line and he might get in the end zone. Sure. Now, because he had to stop for that extra half second. And, you know, obviously Michigan's got a loaded defense, too. That ended up not working. So that's all to say I don't mind the play call in a vacuum in theory in terms of the X's and the O's because it looked like it should have worked. But if you want to say maybe let's not play or not do something that's so reliant on having perfect timing with the center and the quarterback because the center snaps were off a lot. I think that that's a fair point to make, too. But when a lot of people afterwards you just be like, what a dumb play call. It's like, well, what you the- know, Milrow's also your best offensive player, and I can understand being like, well, we want to – with going to the yes. national title on the line, we want to put it in his hands, Absolutely. Too. But do you think that was the same – like, do you think they were going to run that play call regardless before the timeout, after Michigan's timeout, then after Alabama's timeout? Do you think that I don't know? I never have a good feel on that. I honestly wonder that every time we start, especially when we get double timeouts, 
is I always think, well, I don't know. Are you going to run the same thing or are you not? I don't honestly remember if they were even in the same formation or not. Obviously, you could run the same play out of a different formation. I don't want to make it sound like, mm-hmm. you know, you can't. But um, but I, I don't remember if it looked the same each of the first two times they wind up compared to the last one. But, but to your point, I think there's a strong chance they did change it, but I also think there's a strong chance they said, no, we don't care. We're going to go with this deal. I just – I don't know enough about how offensive coordinators think at those moments. And, and I suppose it probably depends on the guy, too. There are probably a lot of OCs that would be like, well, yeah, we had a play. We called timeout and changed. Then they called timeout and we changed again. And I'm sure there are also a lot that would be like, I don't give a shit. We're running this play. <laughs> right? Come hell or high water because I think it gives us the best shot. The Sugar Bowl, you know, as a result of the Rose Bowl, uh, going into overtime, the Sugar Bowl kickoff got pushed back 15 minutes. So it's 9 o'clock. Real, in the real quick, I do yeah. want to say one last thing yeah. about the yep. Rose Bowl. Um, and I, we've talked about this. I think we've talked about this, but I may be getting you mixed up with someone else. And almost 38, some of my friends, I forget who said what. Mm-hmm. But you, you've you played Mario Kart before, yes. right? Yes. A fair amount? Um, like on the N64, a ton. Okay, uh, that's good enough. Okay. Um, this game, in a lot of ways, felt like Mario Kart or like NBA Jam. I think they call it Rubber Band AI okay. for some of those games. That So not like Madden. That's more like a simulation game. Sure. But the arcade games like Mario Kart or NBA Jam or NFL Blitz, if you remember or have played any of those, but there are times you get way in front, and then all of a sudden bad things start happening to you. Yes, yes. And the other, you know, especially in Mario Kart, it's yep. like, oh, I'm only getting green shells. Yep, the spike. Yeah, the, yep. And you get the and then hit when by you're the spike in, like, last, shell. You're like, oh my god, I'm getting the blue shell, or I'm getting the lightning to make everyone yes. smaller. Yep, yep. And it's and the whole point of that is that the further you get back, the more they try to push you towards the front. Yes. To keep it close and competitive. Mm-hmm. This game felt like two computer AI teams just rubber banding. AI are using rubber band AI against each other. Hmm. That when it seemed like whenever one of the two teams had momentum, within three to five minutes game time, it was like, oh well, this team's gonna win. And it'd be like, oh well, maybe not. I don't know, the other team. And I liked that as that's what I really liked about this. The old school analogy, it felt like a heavyweight prize fight where they felt each other out early. There were a lot of body blows. And then at the end when they really need to make plays. Both teams did make plays late, and just Michigan ended up winning. I like that comparison. Uh, the Sugar Bowl kicked off at 9 o'clock. I Eastern. also hated that it started late. I'm old enough now that yeah. I was yeah, – every year before in my life, I would have been like, I don't care, go as late as you need to. This is the first year ever stack, and I remember thinking, like, I don't want this game to start later. Well, I don't on, want to be up this late. Well, it's it's on New Year's Day. You've just, you know, you've you were up late last night. You're 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 winding down from the holidays, and yeah, I mean, you're not at the least only... in my case have to work the next yes, day. Yeah, I'm, well, I think pretty much everyone. Yeah, had almost to everybody. Work. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. I could only make it till halftime. It, it, and it's I, I wanted to watch it. I could have powered through, I guess, but I, that's just too late. I did power through, but it did not take long once it was done. But it was like, I'm in bed now. Yeah, like, you know, for being on New Year's Day, why couldn't you have moved that game? Obviously, the, the Rose Bowl's got to be in its standard 
4 Eastern, 3 Central time. But I don't know if it has to. I think it'd be okay to start the Rose Bowl an hour earlier. I think they are contractually obligated to start it at that time. Yeah, if, well, uh, you know, contractually everyone changes everything. That's very true. USC wasn't in the Big Ten until recently. Well, like, I mean, I know they're not yet, but and I'm not saying, I mean, I get that they don't want to play it started at, you know, 10 a.m. Pacific time. I understand that. I feel like you could have started it at least half a if not an hour earlier, at least half an hour earlier. Yes. Especially in the semifinal games, there's so many damn commercials. It's like, look, we're still going to get the game with the sunset mm-hmm. and all that stuff because we're going to have so many ads. It's not even like this is just, oh, it's the Sugar Bowl. This is a semifinal game. Don't you want your audience to be there watching it? Like, Again, it's, and we're on Central Time stacking. Yeah, how many people on the East Coast do you think we're staying up till ten to one? I mean, like, oh, it's twelve forty, and it's like, oh, I was in bed an hour ago. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't make sense, and you missed a classic. Like this game was, I think, more of a. Also, cl- we're getting old. Yeah. I remember you saw always judging my parents and other friends. You know, like, oh, you couldn't stay awake. Yeah, wow. And I am now at that point where I mean, I did stay awake, but it was. like, I the first I just was like oh no I wish I would and also like five times I was like Washington you get a touchdown here and you're I'm up going three to bed. scores I'm turning it off and I'm going to bed yeah and each time either it'd be like well Texas held them to a field goal or Texas would get a stop and then drive down and score and I was like ah I gotta keep watching this yep. in this game to me I thought was more of a classic than the Rose Bowl uh, just you know the the way it finished there at the end Texas with a you know, marching down the field, they have a, a four chances inside the twenty, and they can't and they can't convert. A great defensive play made by the Washington corner there at the end on Adonai Mitchell. But to me, like this game probably shouldn't have been as close as it was because Washington was dominating. Michael Penix had like what two hundred fifty yards passing at halftime, and Texas they, they just couldn't get their offense going. Quinn Ewers was bad in the first half. It really didn't. He didn't even have that great of a game. They they benefited from a muff punt by Washington that set up a short field for them to score a touchdown. And yet, they were tied. Teams in the semifinals that muffed punts, 2-0 this year. That's right. And future Big Ten opponents uh, next year. Washington and Michigan. But, um... It just... Big Ten Network's going to replay that game so many times. Right. I mean, like, both Big Ten teams, national final, they're probably going to play it once a week every every week for the next 10 years. Well, at least once a week uh, every week during uh, leading up until uh, college football season again. <laughs> Big Ten Classic. Um, I mean, they need, they need programming on Sundays during football they season. Do. They'll probably they just do. be like, yep. What are we going to do from 3 to 6 p.m.? We're like, oh, let's play that Michigan-Washington national title game. Exactly. But to me, like, Washington had this game, I thought, throughout much of the duration. I think they were the better team. I was a little stunned at how Texas looked. And it kind of brings back the, is Texas back? Because... Oh, I had my tweet fired up and ready if they would have thrown a touchdown pass on that last drive. And unfortunately, I just had to take a screen grab of it and show that photo. I'm not actually. Okay. But yeah. Because to me, that's. But no, I, I saw Texas. Uh, 
But also, you said that you you didn't see the second half. Yeah. So the thing that was really weird, you may have seen this, I don't know. Washington had the ball. If they would have gotten the first down, they would have won. Yes. And I forget who the two TV guys were. I think Greg it was, McElroy it was and I forget McDonough. who the other guy was. Sean McDonough. But that they were basically like, how come Washington's not taking a knee here? And it's like, well, they'd have to give the ball back. I mean, yeah. it'd only be with like 15 seconds left, but they would have to punt and give them the ball back. So, of course, they're going to try and get a first down. Mm-hmm. And Texas, I think there was like a minute 50. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a minute 30. But Texas had two timeouts. And, you know, they used their two timeouts on the first two plays. I don't remember what Washington did on the third play. But what happened was a Washington guy got hurt. And so they had to stop the play game for the injury. And, and it was, you know, not like, oh, a slight cramp and he limped off. Like he was down on the field. And uh, and I thought that if that happened, they just stopped the clock until they got him off the field and then ran it again. Mm-hmm. But apparently not. And then the, the uh, and some of these rules they change so often I can't keep up. But the ref announced like Texas has declined a ten second runoff. Yep. I was like, well, of course they did. They want as much time as possible. Yep. And they did not start the the clock or make the clock run once they set the ball. You know, after yep. getting the guy off the field for the injury, so so it was basically you know, unfortunately for Washington, they had a guy get hurt and ended up giving Texas a free timeout, mm-hmm. and then so Texas got the ball with like forty five seconds left on their own. I don't know, ten or fifteen. Well, they got a fifteen yard penalty for fair catch interference. That oh, that's right, I forgot about that. So it moved it, it to from make the it even weirder is that Greg McElroy was like, well, you know, if you're Texas, I guess you try to get to midfield and throw a hail mary. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? It's college football. The clock stops yeah. to move the chains if you get a first down. Have you not ever played seconds this game? with a competent quarterback, which even though Ewers hadn't played great the whole game, was starting to play better in the second half and especially the fourth quarter. And a competent quarterback in college football, 45 seconds is an eternity. Yes. And they easily made it into the red zone. Yes. And then obviously yeah. they didn't score. But I was just like, I couldn't believe it that they were like, well, this game's over. Why aren't they kneeling it? And I'm like, because they don't have enough time to run the clock out yet. There's too much. And then like, well, I guess if you're Texas, you try to get a Hail Mary. It's like, WTF are you guys talking about right now? Right. <laughs> and I just didn't understand that at all. Well, it was late for them, too. They're like, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, that's this, true. That's fair. This game is then, I'm sure they probably live in Bristol, so it was probably like it was almost one. Yeah. That's a valid point. Yeah. They're, they, they, their minds were all like, boy, we've been up. I mean, for God's sakes, they were up on on Bourbon Street on uh, New Year's <laughs> Eve. So they, they, they're they like, oh, my God, can this game get done? Like, why why did we kick this off at 8 o'clock? Like, this is ridiculous. And you mentioned it, but you know who was playing like they were drunk on Bourbon Street in a good way? Michael Penix. Like, the good kind of when you're like, oh, hey. I've had four beers and now I'm great at darts. Yes. That's basically what Michael Penix um, was he, like the whole almost the entire game. He dropped so many dimes in that there are some pat there was one on like the sideline. Uh, I can't remember the wide receiver, but it, he just dropped it right over the cornerback. I mean it's it's such a pretty ball that he throws, and that leads us to the national championship game, which is in Houston next Monday night, uh, seven thirty PM Eastern, six thirty PM Central Time on ESPN. It's the top two teams in the country. Neither team is lost, so I've, that's that's kind of cool that 
a you good know, old BCS showdown. Yep, it's the second time I think now in 18 years that we won't have an SEC team finish one or two. Um, so that's good. Like you have, uh, you know, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to send off there. There are a lot of hey, storylines. Hey, the SEC didn't care stacking. That's true. That's the only reason they didn't care about any of these games. That's right. That's right. But there's so many cool storylines to this. I just keep going back. Also, did you see the thing that uh, the last time uh, Michael Penix and Kalen DeBoer played against Michigan, it was when they were both at Indiana, and they were, I think it was that in, in, in 2020, and Michigan was a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and Indiana ended up winning, I think it was like 38-20. Oh, and really? once again, Michigan is exactly a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And they're going against Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix. So, okay. I mean, I'm not saying that it's going to be 38-20. But, you know, if, well, if Penix gets hot throwing, I don't think there's a lot you can do. Well, With the way rule changes have gone that favor offenses and passing attacks, there's a lot of stuff you can do to try to slow them down. But if a quarterback gets hot and has receivers like that, there's just not a lot you can do. Well, that's that was my question is that, Given that Michigan's defense is very, very good, their front four especially, like how I, I just I, I think Washington can win, but I'm also curious. Like, is their defense going to be able to stop Blake Corum and the the Michigan running game, or is Michigan just going to be too physical for him? Is their secondary good enough to cover Roman Wilson? Like, I. Washington does not have a great pass defense. Yeah, so, as evidenced on that last drive. Yeah, by Texas. But they they had played pretty well leading up to that. So I just wonder: is my does Michael Penix have enough offense to lead Michigan or to lead Washington to victory here, given how good Michigan's defense is? Or is Michigan like this? There's a lot of unknown. I I I truly feel like Washington is the better team out of the two. I just don't know if it feels like the deck the deck Interesting, is kind of because I don't agree with that. I think Michigan's the better team, but I think Washington has the best player and has oh, the yes. best player at the most important spot. Yep. Do you, but do you think that's enough for Washington to get the win? Like I think it. So I'm of two things here. My brain says. Michigan with a deeper roster and being able to control the clock and play tough defense and be physical. My brain says that. My heart says I also want Washington to win in passing attacks sometimes, especially when it's a game that your favorite team's not in. is more fun to watch. And also, I always like the idea of a quarterback who's really good at transcending games. Mm-hmm. And you keep talking about Penix. I think we also have to give credit to the Washington receivers, who they might have the best receiver. Well, yeah, I Rome, mean, outside of Ohio State, Rome, a, the best a receiving core, like they're an incredibly good core. Yes, that, yes. Not just, I mean, I think Penix makes them better, but I think they also help Penix a lot too. Well, who, who is it? Rome Adun, Adunzi, or um, I don't remember exactly. How he you is, pronounce it, but he yes, is the second best. Good. Yes, he is the second best wide receiving prospect in coming in to this year's NFL draft only behind Marvin Harrison Jr. who by the way said he was going to play in the Cotton Bowl and then opted out the last at the last moment. Uh, that's going to be another thing that really drives folks in Columbus crazy. They already want Ryan Day fired, but now they want him really fired now after that uh, that bungled game for Ohio State. But anyway, back to the national championship here. 
Uh, I, I I just don't know which way to lean. I just I don't feel like you know like last year Georgia the prohibitive favorite like oh can TCU keep it close? I I think the the key for Washington is going to be in the trenches. Can they stop Michigan's running game? And you know, if they can, that that's great. And then will they be able to protect Michael Penix Jr. enough for him to have those deep throws? Because I don't, I think Washington's passing attack will have success, but Penix is going to need a little bit of time. And Michigan's defensive line is really good. So I mean, Texas has a good defensive line. Did you, I forget the exact stat, true. but I think it, in this, I don't remember if this was when the game was over or if this was just in the fourth quarter. But it was that, like, Texas had 17 or 18 pressures, but mm-hmm. only one sack. That Penix did an incredible job of, like, maneuvering in the pocket, too, which I think will bode well against a good Michigan defensive line. That he also is very has good pocket presence and is good at sliding to the right spot, which, I mean, obviously pockets can collapse. And, mm-hmm. you know, he may get hit a little bit more. But I think he's good enough that there's, he'll just be able to avoid some of that, too. Well, that would be good. I, I want Michigan to lose badly, but I also think it would be funny. I, if, everyone except Washington State, probably Pac-12 fans and Michigan fans. I think everybody else in the country is rooting for Washington to win this game. I think it would be funny if Michigan won and then had to vacate the national championship a couple years later. You know, once this uh, cheating, you know, the the sign stealing scandal comes to a conclusion, that would be that funny. Would be funny. Too. You know what, stacking. Prediction, not going to happen. Washington wins 31-28. Michael Penix gets Washington the ball back with 2.30 left. Goes on a Vince Young Rose Bowl against U.S. tight drive. Yes, yes. Although more through the air, less on the ground with his legs like Vince Young. But one of those one of those games that goes down is, oh my God, what just happened? And also, why don't we do the Heisman after the bowl games? We give it to Michael Penix. Okay. That's my prediction of what's going to happen. I love that. I'm going to go Michigan here because I want Washington to win, so normally the opposite happens, and maybe we'll try a little reverse psychology. Um, I I just think Michigan's going to be able to control the ball, control the line of scrimmage enough. Roman Wilson's going to have a big game. I, I I think Michigan's going to prevail. I, I want Washington to prove me wrong. I am not cheering for Michigan. I'm not cheering for the maize and blue in any way, shape, or form. But I, I, I feel like... I won't lie. I was rooting for him against Alabama. That was more because I just didn't want... I'm more sick of Alabama. I am 100% all in on Washington. Right yeah, now. me too. And I think it would be a great Do swan song. Do not want Michigan to win at all. I, I think it would be a great swan song, or swan song You know, to send out the Pac-12 as national champions. Uh, you know, before the you know, before the uh, conference collapses and whatnot. More importantly to us too, though, and not to the general college football community, but uh, near and dear to our hearts, our South Dakota State Jackrabbits are in Frisco, Texas, or will be in Frisco, Texas, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But um, they're in, uh, they have to be in Frisco by now. But they're playing Montana. In Frisco, Sunday, January 7th, 2 p.m. So Eastern. I it's on Sunday. I keep thinking it's Saturday. It should be on Saturday because why would you want to compete? Why don't they do that? so dumb. Yeah, why would you want to compete against the NFL? doesn't make any sense at all. 
but they are like why would you do it like leading up into the ESPN ABC uh, doubleheader on Saturday that would make sense but because it makes sense college football says no it's just another proverbial middle finger to FCS but regardless it's okay ABC, they'll call SDSU USD or South Dakota 50 times still ABC Sunday 1 p.m. Central Time it's Montana it's South Dakota State SDSU has never beaten Montana Montana is 8-0 against them and Montana is a very good program, but you didn't have all of these players come back for another year just to not win in Frisco. Granowski is better. Isaiah Davis is better. The offensive line is better. The defense better. Like everything is better for SDSU pretty much across the board. It's not going to be easy, but I think SDSU. They, they should win this game. If they don't, it is going to be a big disappointment, I think, to all of us. They should beat Montana. I know Montana fans are talking some smack. I think SDSU wins this game and wins us a, a second national championship, back-to-back, -back, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs of uh, the FCS, uh, shall we say, currently. Well, not, I guess, I like you know, well, except Georgia's not winning the national championship this year. But regardless, they're just taking it a year after. I think SDSU wins this game. I think they just have too much firepower offensively. The defense is really good. They'll keep Montana's quarterback in check. I, I mean, Montana needed overtime to beat Furman and double overtime to beat NDSU, and both those games were at home. So this one's going to triple overtime? I, God, I hope not. Uh, no, it's yeah. not because it's it's played at a neutral site. I would site. hate that because then that means that, that it starts going to the two-point conversions yes. only. Yeah. No. And uh, they said, I remember seeing that a lot on Twitter during the Rose Bowl. They were like, I hope it doesn't come down to that. And I was like, oh, my God, that's what it comes down to. I'm going to be upset. Yes. Great. That's great for a, a, an, October, an early October Matt game. That's great. Not, I don't want that for semifinals or championships. To, de to decide who goes to the championship or who wins said championship. But I, I think SDSU is just is the better team. And it would be a massive disappointment if they lose. Um What's your what's your thought for the game and, and what's your prediction? Um, I forget the Montana guy's name. That speedy, undersized receiver they have. They do need to find a way. To, I think that's the kind of guy that if they, you know, have a poor game plan or even just a mediocre game plan, and he has a monster day, that that could really create problems. You know, you definitely don't punt him the ball. Is it Gilman? It's Gilman, right? Gil no, what's that? Uh, not Gilman. Uh, White. I don't remember what his okay. name was. It's, okay. it's been long enough ago since I watched the game against NDSU. I forgot everyone's name on both sides. Okay. But I just remember he was the guy who, I think he was both a punt and kick returner, or maybe it was one of those two, but also a receiver. But anyways, I aside from that, I do think South Dakota State's going to win. I think it would have been actually fun if it would have been SDSU instead of Liberty playing Oregon. I think SDSU would have given Oregon a better game. Oh, yes. I think SDSU could probably give – I think they could beat most FBS teams. They're good enough. I mean, yep. I don't think they're going to beat Michigan or Georgia or Alabama. I think that there's some fairly good FBS teams, though, that SDSU could have beat this year. Yes. I do not think that they are going to play like an A triple plus game and win like Georgia did over Florida State. I don't think it's going to be a bloodbath, although I suppose that's possible. I think it's going to, I mean, honestly, I think it's basically going to be like the old Miss Penn State game. 
that SDSU never seems like they're not kind of in control, but mm-hmm. also that Montana does enough. And it's like, well, they're still sort of within striking distance, but SDSU just always has a response. And I think they win, you know, 38-21, 41-20, something yep. like that, where they win – everyone kind of looks at it as like a coronation in the fourth quarter. Yes, they're the best team in the country. They deserve this. They're really good, but it does not turn into like, uh, you know, 04 USC over Oklahoma or Alabama beating Notre Dame. One of those ones where it's just like, oh my God, this is disgusting. McDowell, the quarterback for Montana, he's a dual threat guy and he's physically imposing, if I recall correctly. Uh, from what I watched against North Dakota State, so, but he's young. He's he doesn't have a ton of experience. So if SDSU's defense can kind of rattle him early, that that will bode well for SDSU. I just think that there's just way too much uh, talent on this SDSU team for them not to win. Um, not In a lot of ways, I mean, obviously they're not as talented as Georgia. Yep. But if we look at like the comparison of FBS to FCS. SDSU basically, to me, in a lot of ways, feels like Georgia, but with like a really good dynamic quarterback yeah. too. Or that's basically been where Georgia is like, yeah, we've had good quarterbacks, but they're not really great at running, and there's some things they can't do, or they just feel like that with also the best player in the country playing quarterback too. Do you think it's better that they're playing Montana and not North Dakota State? Not from the not from the fans' standpoint, but from the team standpoint, like. If it's North Dakota State, okay, that really gets your attention right from the get-go. I hope there's not like a moment or like they, that they start out so like, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're the better team. We're gonna beat Montana. All of a sudden, Montana jumps up fourteen nothing on them. It's like, whoa, what happened there? Like, I, I want the, I, I, I don't think that's gonna happen with this team because they've had the eye on the on this prize, and that's the whole reason why they came back right from the get-go. I just don't want it to be like, oh, we're we're you know, we know we're going to win this game and all of a sudden get smacked in the mouth. I want that focus to be there and that execution right from uh, opening kickoff. Let's put it this way. I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, or, or at least if it does happen, I don't think it's because of a lack of focus or who they're playing. If it does happen, it's because your SDSU's had incredibly unfortunate luck, bad luck at the wrong time. Or Montana just is like, hey, we had two scripted plays that work absolutely perfectly that, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think with the the experienced, heavily experienced senior-laden team that SDSU has, I don't think that they're overlooking her. I think this, I think it's much more of a, you know, Nick Saban, the process is the process, and we're doing this, and we're just trying to play to the best of our ability, et cetera. Well, I look forward to the Coyotes beating the Bobcats in Frisco. That should be a, a lot of fun. <laughs> I saw that Perfect. on Twitter. I saw that on Twitter, and uh, and some fans weren't understanding it or like losing their mind. Like, how could you call it? Like, it's like that's the whole point. You're saying the opposite team, like the rival team name, because that's likely what ESPN will do. They will say something stupid. And uh, call the team by the wrong name. That's that was the whole point. Don't you yeah. get the bit? I, the the only thing is, will they do both of them on this? I mean, it's clearly going to happen. We'll just see if they do both of the wrong team names at the same time. 
Well, that, wouldn't that be something? I mean, I think there's, I think it's a coin flip that it happens at least once that they get both of them wrong. Yes. I mean, if in terms of just getting one of the two wrong at a point in the game, I mean, that's two free spaces on a bingo card there. It's going to happen. It just depends on how many times. Exactly. Exactly right. Well, hopefully next week we are talking about SDSU being national champions. Hopefully we're talking about Washington being national champions. We'll wrap up the college football season. I did... Um, uh, go back and look at my uh, record predictions for the Power Five conferences. I didn't do that bad. We'll uh, we'll review those. Uh, we'll unveil those results next week as we put a bow on the college football season. Which it it's, seems very sad that, or it is sad that it that it's already come to that. It feels like we were just doing our previews and whatnot, and here we are, one game left. Life goes fast. It does. It does. But uh, I appreciate the time as always, Charlie. Uh, One other real yes. quick thing. Yes. Uh, just in terms of kind of a fun anecdote of all the uh, – you mentioned no SEC team in the national title game. Yes. If we go FBS and FCS national title teams, the four playing, all hail from far north, the four teams coming from Washington, Montana, uh, South Dakota, and Michigan. So this is uh, very much the uh, – the North slash the Union strikes back against the Southern Yes. Oh, that that's a very the good su- point. The Southern, sorry, the Southern seceders. Well, and I know Mount or Montana's more in the mountain, but I will uh, like because I know they're mountain. It's still time north, time. but I I like that. I can kind of say that they're more like Pacific Northwest. I I, I think there is a that that whole. No, the Pacific yeah, Northwest. Canada. Culturally, they're well. Oh no, no, yeah. Was, culturally, they're, they're they're not really like South Dakota or Washington, but yeah, right. they're a weird mix of the two. Yeah, South Dakota and Montana are far more far similar. I would I I would say. Um, you know what? Why don't we go grab a uh, a vehicle made from Michigan, drive it through <laughs> South Dakota to see Mount Rushmore. On our way to Washington, we just happened to have to go through Montana. Let's drive through there. Montana to get there. Yep. Uh, to, we to, do. To I know Seattle. a place where we can stay. I've got a sister that lives just an hour outside of Seattle. There we go. We're tying all four states together that are in the national championship game. Though really, Montana, we're just driving through because we don't. There's yeah. Have you have you ever driven through Montana before? No, but I know it's very very large. I have a brother-in-law. That I have lives. once. I drove through about. 60% of it, it took a long time. Yeah, uh, it's not fun. It's not fun from what I've heard. But have a great rest of your week, my friend. Hopefully 2024 is off to a good start for you, and we will talk next week. All right, sounds good, Stag. I'm looking forward to talking about that Washington and SDSU win. I, oh, 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 baby, let's go. Let's go. Go big, go blue, go Jacks. That's right. All right, thank you, Charlie. Yep, see you, bud. Charlie Hildebrand, kind enough to join me for some time here on the Sports Block Podcast, talking about bowl season and the college football semifinals. He has Washington. I have Michigan. I, I, I want Washington to win so bad. Washington, please win. And, of course, we both want SDSU to win. We think SDSU will win. But that's why they play the games. To quote the great Chris Berman. We're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Look back at Week 17 in the NFL make some picks for Week 18. Let's go back to last Thursday night. It was the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. Joe Flacco. Ooh, fantastic game to, you know, 
Throwing passes to David and Joku. The defense had a pick six. They were all over the Jets and Trevor Simeon in this one. The Browns win 37 to 20, clinch a playoff spot. Saturday, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Detroit Lions 20 to 19 behind a ton of controversy. Detroit goes down the field, scores a touchdown, goes for two for the win. They get it. Taylor Decker, uh, offensive tackle, lined up, uh, said is eligible and, and caught it. Oh, no, wait, they didn't. Uh, Brad Allen said he was ineligible, didn't report. Number 70 was uh, reporting, or that's where Brad Allen was looking. And a uh, lot of people upset about that. But the, the refs called a tripping penalty on, on Dallas when it should have been called against Detroit, which may have negated this final drive. So uh, bad officiating, and that's, that's what the story has been all year long. But Dallas escapes with a 2019 win. Then on Sunday, the Baltimore Ravens beat the Miami Dolphins, Charlie's Dolphins, 56-19. Lamar Jackson, stunning performance this one. Absolutely incredible. An MVP capping uh, performance, dare I say. The, the Dolphins lost Bradley Chubb. They lost Xavier Howard to injuries. They didn't have Raheem Mostert. They didn't have Jalen Waddle. So this was not, they were not at full strength offensively for sure. And that played a role in it. But boy, the Ravens look good. They look really, really good. Buffalo Bills beat the New England Patriots 27-21. Patriots returned the kickoff, opening kickoff for a touchdown. But then what, Bailey Zappi threw like three interceptions. There was a fumble in there. The Patriots just turned the ball over way too much. Josh Allen rushes in a couple of touchdowns. Bills get the win uh, to keep their playoff hopes alive. Chicago Bears beat the Atlanta Falcons 37-17. Justin Fields, fantastic day in this one. Uh, rushing for a touchdown, throwing for a touchdown. He, he was very good. Uh, throwing for multiple touchdowns. You know, DJ Moore, pretty good pickup for the Bears. And the Bears are playing really good football right now. Atlanta, not so much, but they're still alive for the NFC South title. But, uh, yeah, Bears get the win. Houston Texans, what a difference C.J. Stroud makes. Rookie quarterback comes back. They beat the Tennessee Titans 26-3. Stroud looked great in this one. Uh, did Willie Anderson third come back uh, for, Alabama, uh, for the Texans in this one? Regardless, they thumped Tennessee. Will Levis had to leave the game with an injury for the Titans. Ryan Tannehill came in, and Titans couldn't get anything going. Texans get the win. Indianapolis Colts beat the Las Vegas Raiders 23-20. Uh, they started out hot. They had a you know, couple touchdowns. Vegas tried to, to push, you know, come back. Devontae Adams had a couple of touchdown catches in this one, but not enough. The Colts hang on to beat them. Jacksonville Jaguars shut out the Carolina Panthers 26 to nothing. Trevor Lawrence out for this game. C.J. Beathard got the start. And Panthers owner David Tepper threw a drink or threw, threw the contents of a drink at a Jaguars fan. He's now been fined $300,000. Tepper's a terrible owner. Doesn't appear to be that great of a person. He probably shouldn't own the Carolina Panthers. They're, they're bad right now. And uh, you know what? You only have yourself to blame, Tepper. So, yeah. Good luck if you're a Panthers fan. That's all I got to say. LA Rams beat the New York Giants 26 to 25. The Giants should have won this game. They they missed an extra point. They missed a field goal late after Tyrod Taylor had gotten them in the field goal range, but then they they ran. They lost a couple yards. They just keep running a little bit more. Like what are you doing? You're pushing yourself back out of field goal range. They picked off Matthew Stafford a couple times. The, the Giants should have won this game, but the Rams did enough to get the run, the win. Kyron Williams, Rams running back, three. Rushing touchdowns in this one. 
Uh, so a good win for the LA Rams. Stunner of the day, one of the stunners of the year. The Arizona Cardinals go into Philadelphia and beat the Eagles 35-31. to It was 21-6 at half. The Eagles had gotten a pick six, but the Cardinals had controlled the ball the entire first half. They did it in the second half, too. They had the ball for nearly or maybe over 40 minutes. The Eagles' defense was atrocious. The Eagles did take a 31-28 lead late. But the Cardinals drove down and scored a touchdown. It's just incredible what Kyler Murray and company did to the Eagles' defense. There's something seriously wrong with the Eagles right now, and the Cardinals get the big win. New Orleans Saints go into Tampa Bay and say, you know what, Tampa, you've given us some issues in the past. Not today. They thumped the Saints, or they thumped the Bucks 23 to 13. It was 23 to nothing at one point. The Bucks tried to get back in it with a couple late touchdowns, but their offense really couldn't get moving at all. The Saints' defense was great. Saints offense did enough as well. And now both teams 8-8. Eight eight. Uh, Bucks still control their own destiny to win the NFC South. They need to beat Carolina next week. New Orleans needs to beat Atlanta and then hope Tampa loses and they would get it. Uh, San Francisco 49ers beat the Washington Commanders 27-10. Brock Purdy, very good game. Bo- great bounce back game after his uh, terrible performance last Monday night. Uh, Christian McCaffrey did have to leave the game with a... A mild calf injury, but the 49ers are now the one seed in the NFC thanks to their win and the Eagles' loss. So McCaffrey won't have to play this week, and the 49ers can get him rested for their division uh, game coming up in a few weeks. Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Seattle Seahawks 30-23 behind Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. The, The Steelers just ran it down the Seahawks' throats pretty much the entire game. Mason Rudolph threw some very nice passes to George Pickens. Pickens made several incredible catches in this game. But it was really, again, the Harris and Warren show. Seattle had no answer for it, and Pittsburgh ultimately gets the 30-23 win. Uh, First start of the year for Jarrett Stidham, the Broncos quarterback. He threw a touchdown, and the Broncos got a couple field goals. They don't give up any touchdowns to the L.A. Chargers. Broncos get the 16-9 win. Kansas City Chiefs, led by six Harrison Butker field goals, beat Jake Browning and the Bengals 25-17. The Bengals had a 17-7 lead in this one. The Chiefs defense kind of tighten the clamps and ultimately get the win over Cincinnati. But again, Kansas City didn't look great in the process. Then Sunday night football, the Packers go into Minnesota. Kirk Cousins, Kirk O'Chains with it. Took his shirt off, it sounded off the Gallahorn with his son. It was great. And then the Packers, Jordan Love just took over four touchdowns. Packers beat the Vikings 33-10. Embarrassing performance all the way around. The Vikings just look like they've flat out run out of gas. Really all there is to it. The Packers remain alive. They just need to win week 18 against the Bears. And they are in the playoffs. And let's go to... Week 18, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Ravens likely to rest Lamar Jackson. Pittsburgh fighting for their playoff lives. Does Baltimore really want Pittsburgh in the playoffs, though? I don't know. But I think the, the starters resting, we'll go Pittsburgh there. Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. The winner does not win the AFC South, but the winner would win the AFC South if Jacksonville loses. There's still some playoff positioning 
that needs to be fought out as well. So this is a massive game. I'm going with C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. I just believe in them more than the Colts. I haven't believed in the Colts all year. They keep proving me wrong. I like the Texans, though, to do it once again. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Carolina Panthers, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox on Sunday. Panthers are bad. Bucks win, you're in. I like the Bucks. Minnesota Vikings at the Detroit Lions, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. The Lions have really nothing to play for. So how long are their starters going to go? Are their starters going to play at all? Vikings can still get in the playoffs with win and a lot of help. Uh, I, I don't want to see that happen. I, the Vikings, I want you to lose. Uh, better for scheduling purposes and for draft purposes. I think the Lions get the win here. Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. How much are the Browns going to play? They're, they're locked into the five seed now. So how much are they are their starters going to play? Can't imagine a whole lot. I think the Bengals can prevail here and get the win. New York Jets at the New England Patriots, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. Patriots have been playing harder for Bill Belichick here. I Jets, can you beat? That's the boogeyman taking the Patriots. Though if the Patriots lose, I would get that record exactly right. And we'll uh, get that information out to you next week once all these games are done. Uh, Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. The winner would win the NFC South with a win. Oh, obviously they win. And then uh, the Bu- a Buccaneers loss to the Panthers. We'll go with the Saints to get the win in this one over Atlanta. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tennessee Titans, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. Tennessee would love to knock the Jaguars potentially out of the playoffs or certainly the AFC South Division title. Jaguars, though, I think Trevor Lawrence plays. I'd like the Jaguars to get the win. Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on Fox. The Cardinals could knock the Seahawks out of the playoffs with a win. Based on what we saw last week against Philadelphia, why not? Let's ride with Arizona to beat Seattle. Chicago Bears at the Green Bay Packers, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Why not? Let's keep going with it. I know the Packers are playing great right now. Jordan, uh, Justin Fields and the Bears are playing well, too. Let's go with the Bears to upset the Packers. Kansas City Chiefs at the L.A. Chargers, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Not sure how much the Chiefs are going to play in this one because... I think they're pretty much locked into the three seed here. But why risk it? Go with Mahomes and the Chiefs to get the win. Denver Broncos at the Las Vegas Raiders, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Raiders playing hard for Antonio Pierce. I think the Raiders beat the Broncos in this one. Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Giants, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Eagles need to win and need Dallas to lose to Washington. For them to win the NFC East, it's unlikely to happen. But the Eagles need a win in the worst way. Giants are going to be tough. Love to, you know, win and take their division rival down with them. But we'll go with Philadelphia here. LA Rams at the San Francisco 49ers, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Is this the Carson Wentz-Sam Darnold Bowl? It likely is. I think the 49ers will play some of their starters. The Rams likely not. The 49ers get the win here. Dallas Cowboys at the Washington Commanders, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Washington bad. Dallas very good. Well, Dallas is good. And it could have been better last week. A win in their NFC East champions and get the two seed. Yeah, 
Dallas is going to win. And then Sunday Night Football, the Buffalo Bills at the Miami Dolphins, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Injuries are a factor in this one for the Dolphins. The Bills, they're... Josh Allen playing really well. And they they may need to win this game to get in the playoffs. The winner wins the AFC East. But if the Bills lose, they might be out of the playoffs. They're playing better football right now. I like the Bills to go into Miami and get the victory. And those are your Week 18 picks. Uh, we'll see how many of those are right. Might not be a lot of them, but we'll, but we'll see. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, our first podcast of 2024. Find uh, the podcast available on iTunes or archive.org. Uh, just search the sports block. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis Krenz is on Twitter at Travis Krenz, Charlie Hildebrand on Twitter at CE Hildebrand. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. What are we going to see in the regular season finale in the NFL? What are we going to see? Next week, are we going to talk about Jackrabbit champions back to back years? Uh, FCS National Champions. Will it be Washington or will it be Michigan? A lot uh, in store, a lot that we will need to break down. I want Washington to win. Of course, I want the Jacks to win. So hopefully both those things happen, but we'll see how it all pans out. So enjoy the National Championship game on Sunday and then on Monday. Enjoy the final week of the regular season of the NFL. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Vikings really hope you lose. Hope the Bears win. Vikings get that worst uh, last place in the division. Get a far easier schedule going into next year. So come on, let's make that happen. So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, for Travis and Charlie, I'm Nathan. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it and hope you tune in again next week on a championship edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, everyone. Go big, go blue, go Jacks.